All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Stories from a Mountain Town. Uh, today with me, I have Jonathan Benick from Surf Wyoming. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, today, we're doing a daytime podcast, so we're not drinking any booze today, just coffee for us. We Second usually later? Yeah. Did you uh, spike this? No. <laughs> so we, we're sponsored by Snake River Brewing, so we get like we get to have free beer for the episodes after hours, but today it's 10 o'clock, so we're not going to do that yet. It's got to be nighttime somewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, definitely. And, um, yeah. So Jonathan, if you just want to talk about like how we got connected and the brand that you represent and what you're wearing today. Absolutely. So we, we got our start together on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I saw a posting from one of your podcasts. Yeah. Which one? This, this guy's local. Yeah. Uh, a local mercantile store artisan, I think. Haley? Yes. Haley Badenhop? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then reached out to you, you reached out to me, and you said, mm-hmm. it's on. Let's come on the show. Yeah. I, I I have so much fun when a couple of people have done that, and it's so cool that uh, this idea that I was just like, yeah, I think I want to, I think there's something behind talking to these interesting people in mountain towns and, and their stories, and then having that grow new guests mm-hmm. just on its own. I think mm-hmm. that's like, that's when when stories like that happen are the coolest part for me to do the podcast. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, um, and what is surf Wyoming? I just, I just asked you this a second ago, but explain to the audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we, I was contacted because the word got out that it was one of the first river surfers to surf lunch counter. You are. And Holy shit. Someone, someone told me, someone told me I was one of two then, then some other people have said, no, there were two other guys doing it. So 92, 93. Wow. And I had spent so many years here coming with my family, doing the Grand Teton National Park, Yellowstone National Park tour, mm-hmm. 80. First time I skied here was 86. It just tugged on my heartstrings. My, yeah. my mom said, as we're flying out in the Tetons, she said, you told me, you looked at me and he said, someday I'm going to live here, mom. Mm. And so I took a bunch of extra courses so I could take the winter quarter off of my senior year. So 92 of them came out here and worked, you know, restaurants and dish diving and doing mm-hmm. whatever to just to make a buck and, mm-hmm. you know, able to able to ski and met a guy named RG, Robert Garrett. And he said, uh, you got to move back. You got to come do the whitewater rafting guide school. Yeah. But most of all, I'll teach you how to surf the river. No, like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, bring your surfboard. <laughs> He's also originally from Santa Cruz. Yeah. And I went to undergrad there, but just grew up surfing there a bunch. And I just left there in June and just mm-hmm. moved from there in June back to Jackson. And he said, don't forget your surfboard. I was like, RG, it's 1,100 miles or something like that from the <laughs> Pacific Ocean. It's, yeah. Trust me, Juan. Trust me. <laughs> and so sure enough, I pull in for... Uh, spring of 93 and he's like you got your board let's go and it was so funny we're driving down the canyon he hit hoback junction and all these people in trucks are coming back up just staring at us like what are these guys doing with surfboards yeah. on the top of the rig right yeah and that's how it started and and we just started ripping the river and you could come out from you come out from river right side and jump in and point upstream and act like you're surfing in the ocean yeah and hopefully you catch it so you don't get washed out in the eddy. Uh-huh. Or you can go above the wave 
and then just get out of the water and then you just pull in from pull in from the eddy side river left side uh-huh something i've always I, I see that all the time uh people surfing there and i always wonder so they can surf for whatever and i think i've heard it's really pretty difficult to keep a sustained uh ride going yes but what happens when you fall or get out of the current or out of the wave like when you get washed down, you just like get washed down a ways and you swim to the side and climb out and have to hike back up because isn't that area pretty turbulent? Great call. That That's the that's the number one strategy plan right there, the exit strategy. Yeah. Right. So you could be on there. There's been Miss Legends 45 minutes, you know, and I was fitter back when I was 22, 23. <laughs> and you can literally do figure eights. Uh, just you know, to the left side, come back. I, I'm I'm a goofy footer, so backside turn, front side turn. Yeah, and then you got to watch out for a couple things, right? One, just be mindful now because there's a huge movement and there's a lot of there's a lot of crowd on it now. Yeah, but most importantly, during runoff season, you got to watch out for down trees that, with the runoff higher flows, more volume in the river, you start to peel off. 60 80 100 foot trees yeah and that will take the path of least resistance which is directly on the center of the wave where you're standing oh, wow <laughs> and guess what else you got to worry about the whitewater rafting companies that they're going for the number one hit on lunch counter wave mm -hmm. which is right where you're surfing yeah right yeah and that's that's my experience with lunch counter i've done that like five times that yeah. the classic route you know what i'm talking about yeah and so fall off and then number one thing is Get your tail to, as quick as you can to the top of that eddy so you endure less boils and whirlpools from the eddy fence because mm -hmm. that flow comes through, then it opens up, and that water is going to take that path of least resistance into the eddy line, mm -hmm. and it's coming back upstream where the river is still flowing downstream, and it creates all those boils and whirlpools. And that's where people have most of the trouble. Okay. So you, you've got the water's cold, got your wetsuit on. That's a little bit of flotation, but not enough in a river. Yeah. So once you fall, you got to be incredibly mindful. Get that board. That's your flotation device. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get over as soon as possible. If you're anywhere center right, you typically get washed out. Further down, you hope to catch that first eddy on the right. But I saw a lot of people this summer getting washed down river left and river right past that eddy. Yeah. And are you, uh, do you have a, are you tethered to the board like a normal surf setup? I wear, yeah, I wear a rope. I wear a yeah. leash. Yeah. Yeah, I wear a leash. It's very helpful if it gets away from you and mm -hmm. grab it, reel it back in, and then you're back on it, and you just ride through the river and start pointing to that eddy and swimming like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely valuable <clears throat> to me. get to the board, but like, do you ever have it where it hits something that's fast? Or even if you're surfing the ocean, if it hits a wave and it just like pulls you away, does it? Does the board pull you? Does it get enough... You know, it. not not necessarily because you can keep it. You could keep it close to you, mm -hmm. and usually when you're surfing, if you crash, you're gonna fall, and you're immediately first thing you're gonna do because again, that's your that's your flotation. Okay. And you don't want to get in your finger reef. You don't want to get wrapped on a rock or anything, so on and so forth. But yeah. you can pretty quickly get it back to you. Awesome. But yeah, it's it's incredible. And, and runoff water is really cold, so I'll wear a I'll wear a hood, full wetsuit, typically a four or three booties. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I wasn't wearing, I wasn't wearing a helmet, uh, I wore a helmet when I boogie boarded the entire stretch, the eight miles of the, the whitewater float section <laughs> when it was buddy of mine says it was 37,000 CFS in summer of 97. I remember it being 39,100. 
Whoa. And so you had, that's when I wore a helmet because it was a little more dangerous because I was on a boogie board. Yeah. I didn't surf the whole thing. I took a boogie board, fins, helmet, life jacket, just because of all the trees and stuff. That's so gnarly. I've never heard of anybody boogie boarding it. You would absolutely love it. Did you grow up, did you grow up boogie boarding or body surfing? Uh, not really. I grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so I grew up like wakeboarding and then occasionally if we'd go to you know, like Florida or Mexico, do a little bit of that there. Yeah. But I'm more awesome. used to behind a boat. <laughs> Yeah. This kind of stuff. Wake surfing. Yeah. yeah. That's and gotten insanely popular in Minnesota in the last like four years. Huge movement. Like, f- like four years ago, it was rare to see like a wake setter or something that you could do it with. Yeah. And now my family has a cabin in northern Wisconsin. Like now it's like 20% of the lake has that boat. Yeah. has a bit boat like that. And everyone's just wake surfing because it's, I think it's a little bit lower impact than some of the other towing sports. Yeah. You're going what? Six, seven, eight, nine knots. Um, I don't know about I don't know about knots, but I think like I think like nine miles per hour, nine to twelve miles per, miles per hour. That sounds about right. Yeah, and so like the people in the boat, they can still have their drinks. You can still hear the music. Yeah, you don't need like the like older people can do it. Yeah, I mean I mean like parents' age can do it yeah. and not feel like the danger of a wakeboard. Uh, doing a wakeboard and like throwing their back out or something like yeah. that. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And yeah. not being able to hold on to anything for a week after. Yeah. Because just getting towed around at, at, you know, 22 miles an hour. Yeah. But that, but there it is right there, right? Surf Wyoming, culture, surf vibe, surf everything. Yeah. They wake surf at Jackson Lake. Right? Oh, yeah. And the boogie boarding, I'm telling you, right? You're, you know, yeah, boogie boarding, but that, that's surfing. You're in a wave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so all of these features at low water, you see all of those rocks, like especially, let's say, um, Big Kuna, where they, they, the cameraman, the photographer sit up there uh-huh. and stand up there and they take, uh, they don't take video anymore, but they take pictures and then they put them online and go down the store and buy them or whatever. Yeah. Imagine that rock covering water. That's yeah. how, that's how high the water was yeah. that year. So it was, it was, um, it was a dear buddy of mine and Corey Milligan. And it was like his, his bachelor party trip, wedding type trip. He said, we're all going to get on this boat. We had safety kayakers. I'm going, I'm boogie boarding. There's so many new waves because mm-hmm. we didn't know they existed until we had water with that amount of volume. Yeah. And now the water is going over the rock and on the downstream side, there's waves and there are barreling waves. Oh. And, and I was like, I wonder what three ordeal. It's a really famous rapid there. It's essentially a hole. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the commercial industry stays away from it because it's a problem. You can turn, slows your speed, you go sideways, the river's not stopping, and then you flip. So that all the commercial companies stay out of there because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. But the whole time I'm, sit, you know, I'm floating down, I'm like, what's three ordeal going to look like? We turn the corner. And it's a, it's on the river left side, and it is m- macking barrel like full, full just freight train left. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get myself into this thing. Yeah, I got, I got to pull this off. But I'm thinking, I got to keep my eyes on down trees coming down because mm-hmm. it was still really high runoff. Got in there, snuck in on the river left side, and it was just getting too bright on a river. <laughs> oh, and it was just. <laughs> Like a little frogger, oh, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> and That's the good awesome. news is, right, with barrel, with getting shacked, get, you know, getting tubes and surfing, if nobody saw it, it didn't happen. Uh-huh. 
and thank God it was witnessed. Yeah. Right? Or no, that didn't happen. Benick, sorry. That's legendary. It, it was it was amazing. And and so so anyway, so they had heard. They reached out to me. Would you like to be an ambassador and help grow our brand? Yeah. And you know, it's just it's that whole vibe, and even. Surf Wyoming, kayak surfing. Mm-hmm. How many supporters are down there? You know, supboards taking the whole river and turning up surfing waves. You know, like I said, the kayaking surfing. At a certain level, about nine ninety six hundred to ninety nine hundred CFS. It is just at that perfect stage where it's it's not barreling, but it's a really good recirc. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little ten and over. And you know, may, maybe it's changed course in over the years of erosion stuff, but that's that was my favorite level. And you could you could body surf it, you could boogie board it, and surf it. And of course, you know, sup kind yeah. of surf it. That's awesome. And then surf Wyoming hiking up, <clears throat> excuse me, hiking up the pass and surfing the pow on a on yeah. skis or a snowboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The term surf Wyoming can cover so many different sports. It could be snowboarding, it could be long. I saw a picture on your Instagram of uh, Surf Wyoming's Instagram of like a guy longboarding somewhere cool. Yeah. Could be any of the river stuff, could be lake stuff, could be anything. And it's kind of this funny, it's not. It's kind of like a funny statement because you don't think that there'd be much. It sounds like a joke at first, Surf Wyoming, like, oh, there's no surfing in Wyoming. But there's a lots, of, lots of different types of surfing in Wyoming. Yeah, everybody's always like, what's, what's the pun, dude? Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me the history. I want to hear the story. Yeah. And and so all these years go by, and you see you see kayaking is huge. The mm-hmm. river supports the river supports that have really really wide centers, way more volume up front, thicker rails. Mm-hmm. Now they're putting on stomp pads. To, it's like grip tape on the back. Yeah, and doing a thruster scenario instead of a single fin. Uh-huh. And then throughout the years, you start seeing this movement just grow and grow. And then I'm coming through, and it's sort of like, I'm going to Bend. I hear they have a wave there. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, they've got a whole whitewater park, surfable wave. 30 people are on it. Whoa. And I'm taking pictures, sending it to Surf Wyoming crew and saying, check this out. This is a huge movement. Yeah. And then cruise through Boise and stayed with some old Santa Cruz friend and an old Jackson Hole buddy. And, hey, one, let's take you to the whitewater park. I was like, the what? There's a there's a wave here in Boise. <laughs> sure enough, a number of them. And there were easily, there's probably like 10, 15 on the river left side and about 10, 12 on the river right side. Everyone was courteous, but everyone's surfing. It, it was a rainy day in June and went down there. It place had 15 people on it. <laughs> Huge movement. You know, yeah, that's big, so cool. Big culture. And now they have companies that are specifically designing river surfing boards. Yeah. It's, inc- it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, how we can just, how humans can just adapt to like, uh, take something that, that we love to do and just adapt it to like all these different locations and situations and still get the same joy out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, you have brought a couple gifts for us and I want to open these up now. I hope you embrace those and wear them, wear them with pride. I will, yeah. Keep keep spreading the spreading the vibe and the love. And- so we got a surf Wyoming with, the, uh, with like a VW van with some... I like the Wyoming touch is the big tires on it, right? That, that's got to be my favorite sticker. Yeah, I love that shit. All time. Uh, surf Wyoming with the Wyoming flag um, sticker with some surfboards as the white border. And then a cool, just another Buffalo Surf Wyoming sticker. And then a t-shirt. Surf Wyoming. Awesome. What do you think of the color? 
It's awesome. I like it too. I'm a big, like as too. you can see the flag behind me, I'm a big fan of America. So I like this kind of red and, red and blue. <laughs> this would blend in with, this would goes in with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And awesome. uh, they, the podcast uh, audience, uh, they are unable to see Tyler's little booties he has on, but they're yeah. American flag, North Face camp booties. Yeah. <laughs> camp shoes. Pictures or something. <laughs> they're they, the North Face down slippers. And they made them for the Olymp- the last Olympics for all the athletes, the North North Face athletes to, to wear around. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. America. Um, America. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you said you came here, you moved here in 92. Um, can you just talk about like, what did you first, I guess going b- before that to when you first came here for, for any sort of visit. Yeah. Talk about your first feelings of when you saw the Tetons and your first reaction to the town and the whole vibe that's going on here. Can you just talk about all your feelings for that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I kind of mentioned it before the just kind of blow, blow your mind type scenery, just Mm -hmm. so breathtaking tugs on your heartstrings. Yeah. I believe a place, I really believe a place has an energy. Um, (laughs) Some ski towns just don't for me. I'm so happy you said that because I feel I've been feeling like a crazy person because yeah when I yeah when I talk about why I needed to be here because I I moved here just over a year and a half ago it was there was something pulling on me in from Minnesota when I was in Minnesota saying you need to be out here when I'd come here there was just this energy just like buzzing through my head when I came here and I started to think that maybe I'm just a crazy person, but it's, I'm so glad that there's other crazy people out there. There's great, great hearts and minds, you know, yeah. feel and think alike. Yeah. And, and, and we're traveling anywhere, you know, you've been mm-hmm. to a place where like, it's a place I'm never going back to. And so there's, when I first got here, they're giving land away, giving homes away, not literally, but they're extremely affordable. Mm-hmm. But 1992, 22 years old, just finished undergrad, mm-hmm. you know, making six bucks an hour landscaping in San Francisco, <laughs> just dropped out of grad school because it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And everyone was in their 50s and I'm 20 and they're all negative and complaining about their, <laughs> their careers. I'm like, ah, I don't think I'm going to jive here. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, 92 was very, very different times. There was no traffic. There were very few people. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, at the time, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I did the tour, a, a tenure tour from 92 to 2002 and ended up leaving because I got into healthcare. Mm. And just had that, had that Catholic guilt, like, wow, the only son of the Bennicks that is really hovering around where my parents are in the Central Valley, Modesto, California, and mm-hmm. Riverbank. And just have felt like, God, if something goes around, you know, if something goes down with their health. I want to be around. Mm-hmm. And that was what, 18 years later, and just celebrated my dad's 84th birthday. And I said, You're good. <laughs> you really don't, you're healthy, dude. Yeah. I was like, Papa son. I, I, I think I got to go back to Jackson. He's like, JJ, you're in charge. Don't worry about me. Yeah. And then, so I moved back. I've heard you, people call you, in the, in the stories you've already told, people have called you like four different names. Bizarre. JJ, uh, Juan. Uh, nobody's actually called you Jonathan in any of your stories right. or John. Right. Not, not at all. Not at all. And now it's my, all my buddies from, from Jackson, river guiding buddies, soccer buddies, mountain mm-hmm. buddies, hospital friends, you know, just everyone you meet in these different little sectors of yeah. the valley. And all the kids call me Wani. Wani. Uncle Wani. Uncle Wani. 
<laughs> so now you're on name number six and none of them are Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, an- I'll answer to anything. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so you, so, um, so then when did you, uh, you, went, you were here, 92 to 2002? Mm-hmm. And then you went back to California for how long, did you say? Yeah, so I went back to join a buddy's practice in where my hometown was. He essentially opened up his practice right uh-huh. down the street from my dad. Oh, cool. So that was 2002. And then, um, so that's what? Yeah, 18 years. 18 years, just came back. You just recently moved back? Yeah. Okay, when you said yeah. it, I think you said it when you walked in, and I was like thinking you just, you know, were traveling and just came back into town, but you just moved here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just awesome. Yeah, and so I was up with uh, buddy, buddy Ned's house in Wilson. Bless their heart. Took yeah. care of me. Awesome. Stayed there for two weeks. And I I couldn't keep my promise. I'd find a place in less than a week. But so I was like, can I, can I stay just a little more? I'm about to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, buddy Tim Walther, um, yeah. the Grand Dynamics, and he's like, hey, I got this place. They just moved out. You're in. Let's have you move in. So I got, I got really lucky on finding a place because that's one of the biggest challenges here. Yeah. So Was it in, where, where is it in town? Uh, just two blocks north of the King. So easy access to the height. Oh yeah, great. And, you know, yeah, that's that's a cool area. I would love to be to go over there to live there and be that close to uh, like Cash Creek trails. I like to mountain bike fairings all the time and yep. and being able to like uh, access town. Maybe not this summer as much because it's been insane. Mm-hmm. Um, re- have really liked being over on this side of the valley, uh, and the traffic has been so bad to get over here. I I just don't go to town like around anywhere from three to six p.m. Nailed it. Because it's just like, it, it would take like 45 minutes to get from town to here where normally it's 15. I thought it was going to be late because there was a tractor going five miles an hour and it's oh. all backing up back to town. Yeah. And, but the, when I first got to town, I say hit Wilson and I was coming through, stopped at Ned's and went and met a buddy for, for some dinner in town. And I'm like, wait, wait, this traffic just went from all the way up and down Teton Pass all the way down to... Hoback Sports. Oh my, yeah, yeah, that's what it's been. And then the bridge, yeah, and then that bridge there that's getting work done, the Flat Creek Bridge, that's been backing stuff up in both directions. So there's yep. just like a cluster of just traffic, and there's does not seem to be a slowdown of our tourism. I mean, exactly, exactly. Good, really good point. And yeah. and there's it, it's so interesting because you look at it, and I hear the people of Ah oh, Jackson's so busy, it's changed forever. And the feeling I have, it, it's just it still speaks to me. There's still an energy. Mm-hmm. I can overlook the traffic most times coming from California. You know, I yeah. had, had a job in corporate healthcare, and if I, if I was on the road on the highway commuting for four hours, I got lucky. It was typically four and a half. To Ugh. five every day. Yuck. Just stuck in traffic, no movement at all. I'm like, I gotta get out of this. That's awful. Yeah. So so coming here, people are like the traffic. I was like, there's not traffic in Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I can uh the stuff that pulls at me is not really the stuff in town. Yeah. You know, I, I like the stuff in town. We have nice restaurants and breweries and all that fun stuff and shops yeah. or whatever. But the stuff that's pulling at me is that direction. And I'm, yep. to the audience, I'm pointing behind me to the west towards the Tetons. That's the stuff that pulls at me. Yeah. So, you know, it hasn't hasn't not lost its luster for me. Do you spend a, a more time up there versus the park, or you find yourself tripping around the pass? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't do much in the park because of the dogs. I just like mm-hmm. like my, I love doing stuff with them, whether that's hiking 
ski touring or actually a split board, but um, biking, like whatever it is. I like doing it with the dogs. So you, you can't really do a lot of that with them in the park. Um, but yeah, I, I end up being um, around the pass a lot. Obviously, the mountain biking there is insane. So a lot of there. Um, and then doing a lot in the Grovance um, because I like the I like that you can see the Tetons and be doing other stuff where like some of the a lot of the spots in the Tetons that yeah. you're doing stuff you can't really see them you know yeah so you, like if you're doing like, like Phillips Ridge sorry if you're doing like yeah, Phillips okay. Ridge you can't really see the, the Grand you can see the resort until you get up high but like I kind of like the combination of like yeah I can hike and also like see the Grand and see the peaks and that's kind of a cool combination my sentiments exactly mm-hmm. so it sounds like you spend a lot of time in GV wilderness yeah so you can look back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been doing my favorite hike. It's just a small one. If you go to the Kelly cliffs and then you just walk that little path behind it and it just goes up on the ridge. that's like on the west side of the river. Dead Bunny Butte. Is that it? I don't actually know what it's called. I just do. I just hike it. Because it's not shadow. I think it's Dead Bunny Butte. It's not shadow. Yeah. It's not shadow. I think it's it's Dead Bunny. Do you know where the, the Kelly jumping cliffs are? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's just a path, like the path to get to that jumping spot. You can just keep walking behind like along the river and then it goes up this this butte so it could be that got it I, it may be different i think you take a hard left turn mm-hmm. before you get to kelly and then you go on a, you get off the two-lane blacktop take a left and then go on the dirt road and then there's i've only seen one or two cars but you hike west up some pretty good steeps and then you get up to the ridge the west facing ridge and you have full teton view look down south to the airport yeah really oh cool. yeah Let's see if this will come up. Oh, no. No results on that. We'll try. Let me see, let me see if All Trails has this. They'll have this it. Dead Bunny Butte. Yeah, they'll have it. And then Blacktail Butte is another. I think the, the nickname is Dead Bunny Butte because when you come in from the north in the park, it looks like, you know, like the Sleeping Indian. Mm-hmm. You know, laying, laying face up, right? Laying supine. And it looks like you see, <laughs> you see the silhouette of the ears of the bunny rabbit, the head and the belly and... <laughs> <laughs> I've never keep keep an eye. I've never heard it. of that. Yeah, it's really and funny. This trail, uh, all trails did not does not have it. Hmm. Weird. So that must be the nickname. Yeah, but it's. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Have you ever surfed on lunch counter? No, I've not. <laughs> I've only I don't do a lot of river stuff. I've done the classic whitewater rafting like four or five times with like you know guests throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I've never fished on the river. I've never float. I've i floated on the Fourth of July last summer, um, awesome. the classic stretch, the South Park to Astoria, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was started out super nice and fun. And it was a great time, and then it got really cold. The sun got covered up by some clouds, so then the wind was whipping up and down the river, and it was really cold, and the water's cold, and then we were like just dying to get out. So we, it was more of a survival thing at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's two, you know what they always say: two seasons in Jackson Hole, July and winter. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a little bit. The, the weather recently has been kind of crazy. It's like this. I think they call it Indian summer, kind of an idea. Yep. Where it's been like seventy every day, but the leaves are still in their fall colors, yep. and there's still that nighttime chill. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's a really common it's common statement because it happens in California as well in Santa mm-hmm. Cruz where you don't get that marine layer. Yeah. Cut that foggy cold coming off the coast. Yeah. And you hit that September and October region of the month and warmer no wind no fog and they call it indian summer yeah what's the saying some some guy um said that 
like his coldest winter was a summer in San Francisco. There it is. Who yeah. said that? Yeah. Who's Herb Kane? We'll I think it was Herb Kane. Because he used to he used to write his column. He he's since passed, but he used to write in the column. He used to crack up at the tourists because they'd be in Hawaiian shirts and shorts and flip flops. They're like, We're gonna spend the summer in San Francisco, June and July, and that that's the coldest time there. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But have you ever been to um, Santa Rosa? Absolutely. Yeah, I Absolutely. Have my my stepmom my stepmom grew up in Santa Rosa, and so I still have my step grandpa and a step aunt and uncle that live there. Actually, the step aunt and uncle live in Occidental. Absolutely. So we got no. Well, last year we went to Bodega Bay area. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we drove out there, and we actually biked from their house in Occidental all the way to the coast, right right by Bodega Bay. Unbelievable place. Yeah. And then there's that whole, so there's that whole zone, right? The whole zone. Um, H-Town, we call it. Healdsburg just played golf at the Teton Reserve. Mm-hmm. Buddy Ben, that lives out there. Mm-hmm. Really, really concerned about the fires because of that Napa glass fire or something like that. Yeah. But then that whole zone to the west of there, it's the Russian River, and you track yeah. that out to Greenville, then you track it out to Jenner, which is where the Russian River pours into the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Really sharky right there yeah really sharky so you got it's river mouth too so like might want to go somewhere else so we started going up the coast fort ross gersel cove and we used to go ab diving all the time twice a year until they shut it down the fed shut it down what's ab diving three abalone diving what is an ab what's an abalone abalone is essentially a large mollusk Oh, cool. So, you know, you know, like the, you know, like the really beautiful rainbow metal pink turquoise shells. Uh-huh. That's, that's an abalone shell. Oh, cool. And, and it's, it's just full of meat and you've got, you, you know, typically it's about this size, but you have a gauge mm-hmm. and you can't poach. And every year we go, they were deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was, you know, just tonar, just totally gnarly because it was freezing cold. This is not there. Mm-hmm. There's no visibility. It's sharky. Yeah. And there's current, there's movement. And then they surprisingly, excuse me, they surprisingly, the Fed and the state shut the whole thing down because of the population of abalone was disappearing due to the poachers. Oh, man. How come? Abalone goes for $100 a pound. In Chinatown in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do they, do they just like, do they net them or do they just have a lot of divers? No, no, diving. So yeah. what you, and you can't, you can't have oxygen. So it's not scuba diving. So yeah. it's free diving. Oh. And so it's really challenging. Yeah. Because when we got to the, you know, there was 15 feet depth. Now they're 30 feet. You literally take a big deep breath, dive down. Once the time you've spotted it, you've, you've found one because there's kelp everywhere. Once mm-hmm. you're out of breath, you're like, oh, my God, i got to go back up and get my breath and do it again and come back and get it. And so it's attached to the rock, the reef, but they lift up a little bit. So you grab your bar and you don't go up like this because that would go into the meat. And they'd sense you're there. Then they lock down. You're not getting that thing off the rock. Yeah. So you go underneath the shell, pry up, mm-hmm. and then that's how you get them. And the... The um, limit was three per day. Oh, yeah. But it's a delicacy. That's awesome. Really amazing, amazing um, ocean. So um, this just loaded. Yeah. Uh, Mark Twain is attributed with that statement. Mark Twain? Yeah. Why would I think it was Herb Kane, the columnist for San Francisco Chronicle? (laughs) I don't know. That was a little off. Yeah. Mark Twain said that. Yeah. Interesting. But I love that area. I love... uh, 
we I love all the the forests there. Um, Occidental is like basically in a redwood forest. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this cool little town, super hippie town. Um, yeah, oh yeah. It's just like this one stretch of like a couple breweries, couple restaurants, like a like a grocery store that's like ten times more hippie than a Whole Foods for people who are don't know that what that place is. Um, but it's just surrounded by these giant redwoods and what other types of trees are down there? Like not sequoias, isn't there like a Sequoias further south, you know, Fresno, yeah, Sequoia National Park. But yeah, and then they have um, a little they have a um not in Occidental, but they have a um redwood forest like 30 30 minutes away from there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the colonel colonel armstrong woods that's what it is gotcha there's this guy this old army guy he just like bought the land at one point and he just owned it Ooh, we were turned that off um he just owned the, he just owned it as like his personal backyard and then his daughter decided this needs to be protected so then he just I don't know if he like sold it to the government or just like declared it uh, a protected area and he just decided not to ever do anything with it. Fascinating. And there's one of those giant like 3,000 year old trees named Colonel Armstrong now. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. It's way, way less populated out there. So, you know, even going up there for surf, it, sure, is there a crowd filling in? But yeah. Santa Cruz, Santa, right down the street for where we used to live. It's like a nine iron to two world class <laughs> surf breaks. There's Mitchell's Cove, then there's Gatchell's Cove. Mm-hmm. And when you get a solid swell, you get a lot of just just going all the way through the bay into Mitchell's Cove. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking up Santa Cruz. For yeah, go for it. And last time I was there, we had last time before I moved, last swell we got walked out, suited up, all ready to go. Oh my lord, where did these people come from? I counted 80 people, 80 people in the water. Whoa. And then I said, okay, I'll go check out East Side Pleasure Point. And Granted, it wasn't at one spot, but from first peak at Pleasure Point on the east side in Santa Cruz, it was all the way down by past Jack O'Neill's house, and then 38th, and then it spins out into Capitola where the hook is. And so I counted that whole, all of the number of surfers there, and I got to 30, 350, and I stopped. Oh, <laughs> and so I went, I went golfing instead. <laughs> yeah, you, of course. Of uh, the Muni, De La Viega. Oh, and it's cool. right up from the freeway and Highway 1. And you get on for $26, 42 $44. Yeah, can't beat that. Pasatiempo is right up from Santa Cruz, $270 green fee. Yeah. I'll stick with the public. Yeah, and it's not far from Pebble Pebble Beach and so Pebbles down, Pebbles down in um, South Monterey Bay. Yeah. So you go all the way down the bay, the end of... The bay, the southern tip of Monterey Bay, is essentially Pacific Grove, and there's a Pacific Grove Muni golf course. Oh. Then you spin around into Silomar, and you'll have Spanish Bay Links, and then you go around to Carmel. That's where Pebble is. Yeah. Never okay. played it. Yeah, neither have I. 595 is the, was the recent uh, green fee last time I checked. Yeah, and they can they can charge whatever they want. People will still play it because the amount of majors they've had there and like the greatness that pe- golf is one of those sports that's. It's super cool because you could go out and play courses that the pros play and you're like, you can kind of feel, you can kind of feel the shots that they played mm-hmm. and there aren't many other sports where you can do that. Like I can't go over to Lambeau Field and throw a pass like Aaron Rodgers. Good point. But I could, really but I could point. go over to Pebble Beach if I wanted to pay that much money and hit a shot from where those guys hit it. Yeah. yeah and point. I've, I played at, um, in Twin Cities, we had the Ryder Cup at Hazleton, um, 
2016. And then in 2017, I got to play there for this like corporate event with my dad. And it was super cool to be able to like be walking the places that I went and watched the the Ryder Cup happen at. Totally felt that. All those feelings. Yeah. Minnesota born? Yeah. I was born in a suburb of Minneapolis. Years back, I worked for Medtronic. Med- oh, yeah. Medtronic. Nice. Medtronic. Medtronic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was a pacemaker specialist. Oh, sick. Like and making them or? No, no, no. Uh, clinical specialist. So helping the, the trauma surgeons or general surgeons place them. Oh, cool. Um, it's so they can function and keep people alive. Amazing. I mean, you know, they were like that big. Then they went, my time was that big. Now yeah. you can insert them in the femoral. Yeah. They're like the size of a pin, like a pen head. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. But headquarters was there. Mm-hmm. And they said, you got to come out. We're doing two-week trainings. You know, it was the first time I was in Minneapolis. And summer, thank mm-hmm. God, I'm walking around like, what are all these tubes? <laughs> what are all, what's up with, what's the background on these indoor walkways? Oh, yeah. And the, everybody was like, oh, come back in January. You'll totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the longest um, connected Skyway system in the world in Minneapolis. Holy smokes. Because yeah, because the basically the entire downtown is connected via skyways. Unbelievable. So people and it's like and it's like an, a giant mall basically. People will if you work in one of the buildings, you kind of just like find your way. If you live near there, you kind of just find your way in one way, and then you can just walk inside the entire way. There's restaurants, shops. There's a Target in the skyways. There's all the office buildings, and everyone's just hustling and bustling everywhere. Unbelievable. Yeah, it gets way cooler there than here. You know, it gets cold here. It gets, you yeah. Know, 10 it's, below, 15 below. Yeah. The way I compare it is here, there's probably like 10 days below zero a winter. Um, in in Minnesota, there's 35 days below zero a winter. Ouch. And and the, the extreme. Painful. Like, yeah. You, you can get more extremes in Minnesota where it's like a negative 40 something kind of day. Here, like, you don't really get that, that extreme. You can get minus 20 minus 15 but but not the extremes yeah when i was when i was in college i went to college in duluth minnesota mm-hmm. we had 30 like 33 days consecutively below zero in one of the winters and it got like towards the end it got to like you know one degree and i'm like out snowboarding like sweating i'm just like oh this is beautiful <laughs> and it's just like wow that's fucked up that was a hot day today yeah <laughs> Like I had like my face was out. Like I was like, oh man, like this is nice weather. And I'm looking, it's like a one degree. Like what in the world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the good news with cold is you can always put more layers on. Yeah, right. With heat, do, you can't take yeah. your skin off. Yeah, I don't do well in heat, so I'm I'm okay with putting layers on. I've yeah, I've I've I love the dryness of the heat here, mm-hmm. where even if it's like 80 degrees out, you're not sweating. You're you're not just sweating everywhere. You can wear a long sleeve. You can wear some pants if you if you need yeah. to for some reason. Minnesota is so humid. It's 70 and you're dripping sweat the moment you step outside. Mm-hmm. And I, I fully noticed the difference when I went back in July to Minnesota for, um, what did we go for? Oh, the, we just went for the 4th of July at, at the cabins. But it was just like, I was just stepping out to like unpack something from my truck and I'm just sweating and I'm wearing just like a t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> like, what am I, why is, why am I sweating? It's great stuff. It, it's, it's a good place to visit. So I would, I would assume you're not going back. I'm assuming you're settling here quite well. I, I absolutely love living here. 
and I could not, I could really not see myself living anywhere else. Uh, my girlfriend has, so she's she's uh, doing a travel nurse um, job in Minneapolis right now. That's why she's not around right now. Um, she has a different idea. And so, and but she just wants to be closer to her family yeah. than being this far away. Sure. So that's a discussion we'll have for a later date. So every, but my, the way I'm trying to get her roots to to grow in here are trying any chance I have to find her more like female friends. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. I hear that's kind of like a hard thing in Jackson because there's a less females and then, and then um, maybe I'll get some heat for this, but I don't think fe- females are weirder about like just making friends with random people. Interesting. Yeah, I would have to think on that one, but I think there's a lot of credibility to that statement. Well, like, like, like you just walked in, and all we done is texted a few times, and like we're chatting like like old friends. There's like this, it's like a different a different good dynamic point. between two females that meet out of nowhere. But she has good buddies here, right? She's got a solid crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah we definitely have a solid crew, but yeah. it's just like always like getting more and more so that they're more built in, and then like she feels the pull to stay here because she has friends here now. That's incredible what she's doing. So 80% of my career as locums tenants is travel medical work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Clinically trained as a physician associate, PA. Awesome. Yeah. So I know exactly what she's yeah. in right now, and she's probably in pretty deep, especially with the pandemic. Yeah. So she's a labor and delivery nurse. Oh, so, feel for her. Yeah. But they still have plenty of COVID-positive patients. She had one like a few days ago, and then last night, she... I think it was last night. She had a patient that they thought had pneumonia, but was like 23. And she was telling me that, that you don't, people don't really get, um, what you call it, like publicly transferred pneumonia that often when you're that age. And she had all the COVID systems, but or symptoms, but apparently her COVID test came back negative. Yeah. Influenza came back negative. Right. And she was saying there's like not a test for pneumonia. It's cap. Community-acquired pneumonia. Community-acquired. Walking pneumonia, they call it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's saying that that just isn't very common in 23-year-olds. Interesting. Um, so she's like, probably COVID. And the, and she's been giving updates. But yeah, she has some of... She gets some of that. And she actually just... She only did the travel nurse. She's normally just full-time at, at St. John's. Yeah. She did it because her mom is going through um, cancer treatment. And Ugh. yeah, so she wanted it, and the, right. there was a clinical trial. Heart goes out to all of you. Yeah, we actually got some really good news yesterday. Amen. She got some results back that there's a couple. Um, this is gonna be layman's terms for all this. Go ahead. A couple like spots that they saw on an MRI. So it was kidney kidney cancer that spread a little bit to her lungs, and they saw some spots on the MRI in her lungs, and they were pretty small, and they. Got waited till they got big enough to biopsy. Mm-hmm. Figured out it, it was cancer, so they put her on a clinical trial that was like an immunosuppressant drug paired with some other stuff. Um, and some of the spot or all of the spots shrunk by nearly. They moved down to nearly a third of the size they were when they started, and then a cut, and then like one or two of them disappeared. No lymph node involvement. I don't know. That's beyond yeah. my pay grade. Right. <laughs> ask taylor yeah um but really good news that it's working and she and uh and debbie is taylor's mom's name she actually went through covid two two weeks ago like during the treatment got covid and had the fever for a few days and then got clear of it Ah. and is now hearing the good news so it's all it's all coming back around but she pulled through yeah she pulled through she didn't need to go like into the er or anything for that 
So that's it's it's looking a little bit better. Spectacular. Yeah. How old is she? Debbie. Yeah. Um, in her fifties. Okay. I think. Okay. Uh, but yeah. And are they? Is the recruiter putting them up? Uh, putting your girlfriend up housing, or is she staying with parents? She she gets money for housing. Um, she's actually staying with my parents, my dad right now, because she um right on. she was she first was gonna like rent from this person that we know that that had a spot in the house she owned, and then lived with her friend for a little bit, and then lived with her mom, and then her mom got COVID, so she couldn't live there, so they went to my parents' house. And uh, that's been working out well for her because there's a you know a, a bedroom in the basement. She can it's super dark to sleep. She works night all nights, so she can sleep during the day. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit closer to the hospital she works in than where than her mom's house. So that's working out. What um, are contract terms? Ninety days. Longer. It was it was long it was longer. It was like it was August 10th to November 10th. So was it like 13 weeks, 12 yeah. weeks? That's a, that's a good contract. She doing? Is she get a day off? She does three shifts in a row. Yeah, three twelves. Three nights. Yeah, three twelves. Yeah, and then and the, or actually, it's usually three twelves, but then there'll be like random stretches where it's like four or five connected. But it's like the way the pay um, periods work out. Yep. Like two of them are in one pay period, and then the other two are in another one. But yeah, stretches like that, and then she just is in night mode for the, those stretches, and oh, then yeah. sw- flips back to day mode. Please pass along my warmest wishes and regards. <laughs> I'll she's make sure a, she listens. She's deep. She's deep in the trenches. She is. Because yeah. the night shift, right? So between two a.m. and four a.m., ninety percent of premature rupture membranes. Pregnant women. Yeah. So I didn't. Like, I didn't know there was that many, but she seems like she has yeah. a lot of those. You think like, okay, all right, you know, midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight in no. the hospital. And you're like, all right, I think I'm getting tired. I'm able to go in, you know, maybe put my head down, nap, at least not see as many patients like 2 a.m., 4 a.m. It's like, it's on. Yeah, it's just, babies don't know what time it is. Hill 9, Korea, you know, look yeah. out. <laughs> getting hit from all sides. For sure. Yeah, yeah. she has some so, crazy stories about that stuff. and it. My heart goes out to her. Yeah, definitely. It totally blows, the more I learn about it, it blows me away because, like, you know, I'm in financial technology sales, and my for you. all my parents, thank you. All my parents are like, you know, in business in corporate America, basically. And I don't really, I didn't really have any relatives that were really in medical, I don't think. And so the whole aspect of, uh, if you have a bad day, somebody could die in your job, was something that I had to learn about yeah. through her and like comprehend and understand better. That and just kind of it, it helped me put my stress at work in its own in, in the right place because mm-hmm. my worst day of all time mm-hmm. you know i could i could call up a really really big bank ceo and say fuck you nobody's dying <laughs> like right like it's, i might lose my job at the most but like don't be too upset you could still fog a mirror and you got a pulse yeah yeah exactly that, yeah, yeah but she <laughs> it's like in, it's in different her, her it profession really yeah people could die she's like she's told me that she's like sprinting down to like get blood for for the moms when they're sure. like hemorrhaging like it's sure. craziness and then to add that it's labor and delivery she's she's been a part of the probably you know top three moment of all these people's lives all the time and it's just a lot of emotion a lot of energy that goes into that we tried to we tried to calculate it one day i think she's she's probably done like 300 births absolutely yeah so I trained, I tra- my five weeks in OBGYN was Bridgeport Hospital, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Very, very f- run down, poverty stricken neighborhood, mm. um, which 
gives it a very unique population and clientele. Yeah. yeah. And so the the night shifts would just be nonstop. And we were doing 30 deliveries a day. Oh, my gosh. And what was really interesting was we were in the room. You would think it would be this monumental moment, and people would be excited and joyous. And I remember over the five weeks, I had one family with parents that were celebrating. So oh, it was yeah. a very, very difficult place to deliver health care. And yeah. um, even my last, my last delivery, I'll never forget it. It's just everybody's like, we're, we're too busy. Benick, you're on this one. I'm like, wow, I mean, you know, you guys have taught me. And it was like, we, we don't have anybody else to deliver. You got to deliver. She's going she's gonna to pop right now. Just catch it. And she's acting, she's acting very altered. I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? Cop comes in. He leans in my, you know, it's, it's ready for the football, right? It, it's on. <laughs> You're under center. And a- absolutely. And, you know, Amion food is really slippery. Yeah. And, and he whispers in his, in my ear, he's like, Hey Bennett, guess what? Just to make the story even better. She was dropped off in a stolen car. <laughs> oh my God. And she's actively, you know, coming down from heroin. She'll probably withdraw and you'll probably have to, you know, you'll probably have to fight her, not give her more. So she doesn't withdraw. Like, that yeah. was my last delivery. So oh man. Looking back, I was like, Whoa! <laughs> barely, barely. They caught it 22 weeks oh wow preemie that's so that's so little she did she was just like yeah whatever i'm not staying she tried to leave against medical advice she actually stayed the night we got we got her at least to tone down the withdrawal i go and run around on her the next day she's tr- she's just trying to pull at her ivs cussing at me you better give me my stash and i was like look i don't have my i'm just a student i don't have my dea license yet i don't have prescriptive authority yeah and I, i'll send my attending though she's flipping me off cussing at me and i walk out and the nurses are shaking their head i say hey i'll be back in the afternoon we've got some more deliveries i'll go round on her she's like what are you talking about she ain't gonna be here yeah. like, come on she's not going anywhere i come back in the afternoon they're laughing at me like we see this all the time you're the newbie here yeah she ripped out her ivs and bailed yeah so now the baby is the ward of the state mm-hmm. taxpayers money covers it Pretty, yeah really really amazing I mean, when i finished that one when I finished that rotation, I was like, I'm running for Congress. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Taylor, uh, the hospital she worked at in when we lived in Minnesota was uh, in St. Paul. It was They did like 300 births a month. And she has all these crazy stories, a lot like that, where she had – she worked there for like two years, I think. And she had this recurring customer that somehow – I don't even know the science behind this, but had like three babies in that time. <laughs> And I'm just like how like a like a homeless woman like on drugs would just like come in, oh, drop girl. her baby off, <laughs> in the most crude way to say that, and then just like leave. And it was just like what there's there's people that like live like that. Yeah, county hospitals. Yeah, county. It, hospitals. Yeah, or there was uh, it's it's not it's I think it's a privately owned company, but it's just a really big one with probably the connections to do any sort of, uh, government paid medical stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's it will blow you away. It will blow you away. <laughs> Me and a friend McLean were talking last night, just talking about it yesterday. She said, what was that story with the, the green men walking all over you? I was like, oh yeah. And so she comes in. The chief complaint is green men everywhere. Like, okay, it's later at night. It's probably a psychiatric case. Let's hope yeah. it's not. But I walk in the room and. Hair's dyed, not picking on her, but all, her eyes, she has, she has piercings all over her face. <laughs> and it, it, she was not only disheveled 
the three kids she had in the room were disheveled. So it's a, it's very alarming. And um, I said, how, how can I help you? Boyfriend comes in and says, I think there's something really, really wrong. And I said, well, how long do you have service? She says, you have no idea, but there's green men all over you. Right now, I stop her, I look her right in the eye, and I said, do you understand that that's not happening? I don't see that. You see that? We have, we have a, a big problem here. And um, lo and behold, I ran the urine jug screen. Polysubstance is positive. Cocaine, meth, heroin, anxiolytics, you know, like Valium, Ativan, Xanax. It's a nice little cocktail. And she was pregnant. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now it's reckless endangerment. Mm-hmm. Right now it's negligent, so I had to call. I had to call CPS. Yeah, but it's re, you know it's just it, it, a lot of a lot of these populations, these county hospitals, they're just yeah. you know we we're there to give them access to care, but that poverty and the way they live, it's it's traumatizing to people. It, it really is, is, yeah. But one of the cool things about Taylor that of Taylor's experience at that big hospital was all the different um, birthing. Uh, traditions from the different cultures mm-hmm. that you get in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of um, a lot of Somalian, a lot of like I think it's a lot of Eastern African, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of um, Islamic people that go there yeah. that are that live there. Um, so to see all their different birthing traditions was really really interesting. Or to hear from her, where like some of them, you know, it's like can be the whole family. Some mm-hmm. of them, it can only be the mom, come some only the dad, some only the grandpa. Like there's this all these different like gender mm-hmm. norms for how they want how they how they have traditions in the birthing process. And it was really interesting to hear that it's not just not everybody, not every culture just has, you know, uh dad in the room, got grandparents in the room, family in the room and then and then everybody's celebrating. Like it's this weird a lot of differences, even with yeah. modern modern medicine being um, being given at the moment. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they if, if shamans come. I'm sure she has so many stories like that. Shamans like the, are more of a thing here. Right? <laughs> here, here the people. She told me the the patients are they're often very healthy because they get good health care. They're healthy people. They don't do drugs during the pregnancy. All that good stuff. They're yeah. you know they have a home. They're Wa- water well, birthing. Do they yeah. have a suite like that? La- yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, I think all the rooms have, have baths, bathtubs in them. Right on. And, and, um, but it's a lot of these like hippy dippy kind of, kind of styles that want to, they go in like, I just want like natural. I want like, I want like, uh, sage being burnt while it's happening. Like all these things. I'm not, I don't want to downplay that because it's like you can special moment. So do what you want with it. And then like the shit hits the fan and they start feeling the pain and they're like, Oh yeah. Get me the medicine. Give me the drugs now. <laughs> Breach birth. Yeah. Feet first. You're like, we're not going to be able to get that out with the spirits. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're firing up the OR. We're going to do We're going to do a C-section. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she, she had a, she told me a story where, um, in the middle, probably like March or April, middle of COVID, peak of COVID, she had this couple, they drove here from Reno. They said they drove here from Reno with a Montana plate um, uh, on their vehicle. And because they wanted they wanted their baby to be born in the Tetons. You know, it's like they, Taylor does knows nothing about their um, prenatal care. And she was just like, no, go to your own, go to your normal fucking doctor. What are yeah, you doing yeah. here? Yeah, like you could a catch COVID, your baby could could get sick. Uh, we're in a pandemic. We don't know anything about your medical history. 
they could pull it up obviously but like your regular doctor should is better at this than we are um she didn't she didn't come with records i i don't know i guess not i think they could probably access it with through epic or something or whatever system they use but but yeah and then it was sketchy because they said they were from reno but then they're Mont- they had montana plates and then they went to a house that they just just like said was theirs or something so it's just weird like that some stuff didn't add up but people people do that just to come here to have you know they probably feel the, the same pull that you and i do yeah but they do it to want to have a baby here yeah when they don't live here so that, that's kind of weird never a dull moment yeah never a dull moment so she's coming back girlfriend's coming back or is she gonna November. kick it around she's gonna come back right after um her thing ends a couple days after um and then that should be back yeah for should be full-time back at the hospital here and Hopefully, did you see that we're in like a a high, super high risk level of COVID risk? Just heard it yesterday. Yeah, it's some something like full panic mode that's now infiltrating the senior living center. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're like running out of people to take care of those people, and we're we're facing like the flattening of the curve idea again because the capacity of the hospital to take care of others going in is. Uh, we're getting close to not being able to, or they're getting close to not being able to. Amazing. Yeah. I wonder, it, it, it's, it's so strange, right? Now think, think about this. This is a pandemic. This is nature kicking all their asses, mm-hmm. right? This is a virus. Nature of China. And, and the, the clinicians are having, uh, essentially last, last data I heard was 40% fire layoff furlough. Clinicians, oh, yeah. providers. Why? Because nobody wants to go to a medical facility because they think they're going to get sick and die from COVID. Yeah. Right? So now, but then when there's a ramp up, they don't have any providers to take care of people. Yeah. So hopefully that'll change. Hopefully that'll change. So yeah, we're, we're hearing some, so many different stories where like... Give uh, patients access to care, you know? Yeah. I, we're hearing so many different stories where like there's some places where you're seeing doctors and nurses furloughed or fired because there's not anybody going there. Right. Uh, and maybe in that little population, the COVID is not bad, so they're not having to deal with that, and you know, other stuff just isn't happening, whatever. But then in other places, like you know, New York here right now, probably LA, it's prob- probably nobody's getting furloughed. They're actually asking for travelers to come in because they have a such high capacity of patients that they need to cover. So it's like right. it's hard to figure out like what is the real trend mm-hmm. when there's you hear a lot of stories of the furloughing, but you also hear the stories of like the hospitals that need that they're asking they need a lot more people coming in. Yeah. I remember, and, and I'm sure you do too, you know, Governor Cuomo. Yeah. Right. 71 days, live television, giving the update, right? yeah. reporting the stats, reporting the data, and then looking in the camera and saying, you know, even if you're retired, come back out of retirement. Yeah. If you know anything about medicine, if you know, literally, like if you can fog a mirror, you know, and like, hey, uh, I'm available. Yeah. I'll gladly help out. So I got contacted by three different recruiters. They did all their credentialing, ready to go. I was going to go hotspot in Miami, hotspot in Detroit, or hotspot, of course, in New York. Mm-hmm. And then nothing back from the recruiter. Then reached out to them and said, hey, any updates? They said, oh, you know, they canceled it. doesn't look like they have a need anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, like, like. Cuomo was just speaking to me through the TV. Yeah. It's go time. And she's like, oh, it's some administration or billing issue. So we're not going to accept any providers to help us out. Didn't make any sense. No. No idea. There's something else going on. Fake (laughs) news. 
there's yeah there's a weird the, the dynamic that i've learned about it uh that kind of falls under that category how uh medical facilities are getting a substantial amount in federal aid money yeah. for covid patients I, I think i heard like thirty thousand dollars per case that they determined as covid hmm. and so Didn't there's been some flubbing of numbers where they want i mean not really to their fault because that's how they can it's a situation where they're they don't want to fire or furlough doctors because right. they want to get them back and have them work there so they're getting finding any opportunity they can to get this covid aid so they can use that money to just pay them to be part-time or lower hours or something so they don't have to fire them but to get that they're kind of just like saying you know how can we juice up these numbers a little bit yeah to get the more money and then it's i've heard these these horror stories where they're just adding like 15 people to the numbers once they get a one one positive because they somehow think they can assume that that's how many it'll spread to um they'll start adding to the death total like if you died of a heart attack then you all but you also had covid you were you're a covid death you're not a, a heart big, attack death it's a big controversy yeah or if you so died, how is it being reported to the coroner? Yeah, what's the cause of death? It's COVID. Does that go to that's the, how they the get the aid. number? It's like okay, yeah, this guy got hit by a car. George Floyd, the the Minneapolis guy, he like had tested. I think there's a rumor that he tested pos- COVID for uh, positive for COVID, <laughs> and I don't know if he got put in that number because everyone else knows how he died, but. It's just like so on, a, on his on his death statement, his death certificate, it was cause of death, COVID. No, I don't I don't know what they Brutal. put there. But I thought Brutal. I heard I heard a rumor that he had tested his his after he died, he had tested positive for COVID. So it's like all these stories where like they're just adding COVID, they're adding numbers into the COVID totals to get that financial aid so they can keep their hospital they keep their hospital running and keep the doctors around. It's not really I can't really place a lot of blame at the hospitals because you know, they're mm-hmm. in a bigger hole after COVID's done if they have no doctors left. Yeah. You know, they're yeah, not going to, sure. those, and those doctors probably won't be jumping in line to be hired back at the hospital. They just got fired at, you know, there's all this whole like staffing dynamic where it's just like, how do they keep it running? We don't, we don't want our hospitals closing because of this. And it's a crazy idea that hospitals could be closing during a pandemic. Um, unbelievable. But yeah. it's, it's grim reality, right? Old, Dear bro of mine, old childhood bro of mine, colleague, internist, Dr. Lynch. That's the practice I went and moved from here to there in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I would check in with him during, you know, this March, this April, these times. He furloughed his NP for two months, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. They went from 30 to 50 solid patients every day between two providers, an NP and an MD, down during these times to 8 to 10. Whoa. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to. I, I was really genuinely worried that he'd have to close close shop, but he made it through. Is he like a general practice or like what kind of clinic? He, he's it? an internist, but it, it, does a lot of, it does a lot of internal medicine, family practice, general med uh-huh. okay. stuff. Yeah, so not, not seeing COVID. People right. probably, to what you said before, they're not doing their normal doctor's appointments probably at, at the moment. Not at all. Absolutely. People wouldn't go in the facility again because they, you know, they think they're going to get sick and die. Yeah. Amazing. Which but, they probably won't die. The, the COVID death, COVID survival rate is still like 99.5. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Did you feel like you had it sometime in March or April or? I don't know. I was, I was sick at that time, but I don't know. I mean, it, 
you were short of breath? No, I didn't have like the dry cough. When I was sick, I was sick in like February, but it was really phlegmy, really like wet. So they say that's not it. And I didn't have a fever. Sense of smell, sense of taste? Any no, effect? No, I didn't no lose effect. those. I mean, it was just really like sinusy, like snotty, phlegmy type of head cold, like normal, normal head cold, not something that they're attributing to COVID at all. Interesting. So I was, I finished my, finished my tour in Afghanistan. I was in Sukkistan, Kabul, Sukkistan. And were you, wait, were you, um, in the, in the military? No. So I'm a subcon. I'm a subcon for essentially department of state, department of defense, Pentagon. As a, as a PA going there. Yeah. So do, um, do a bunch of different stuff. It can be all admin stuff. If things were going to, shit was going to hit the fan. And I was there during (laughs) Trump delivered the hit on Suleiman. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Not expecting, now. Expecting, like, you Iran know. to start bombing our bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And thank God they, you know, bad news because they destroyed all those, you know, shipping containers that we all sleep in uh-huh. on those two bases in Iraq. Yeah. But, you know, trained train for combat trauma and emergency medicine. Oh, So sick. it was essentially like I was going to go to work if the shit hit the fan. Whether it be from air attack, uh, VBID is a vehicle-borne IED. Then you, of course, know an IED, RPG, small arms fire. So, Mm -hmm. you know, thankfully. Is that wood or formica? I don't know. Um, Maybe this knife, axe handle. But (laughs) it's, thankfully, nothing happened. Yeah. Um, Because it can be, it can be, you know, they call it an austere environment. Like, it's a war zone <laughs> yeah like the hindu kush is right to the west of the base and it's just littered with tallies littered mm-hmm. with taliban so but anyway i so i finished my tour and thankfully nothing happened and uh go meet my big bro uh portugal and you know so i've probably been seeing patients with covid probably late august september mm-hmm. of the year prior Mm-hmm. Right, we just didn't know what it was. Like, oh, it's you know, it's a vi- acute viral syndrome, or you know, maybe we, if we thought it was community acquired pneumonia, we'd hit him with antibiotics and albuterol inhaler. And then you know, I, I think we've been seeing this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so now you go into okay, now it's November, December, January. I'm seeing all these people. We're doing urine drug screens at all these people flying from expats that live in Vietnam that work on the base. Hmm. China, Japan, Vietnam, Nepal, because we have the Gurkhas, the Nepalese soldiers that help us out. Mm-hmm. And like, do we have a do we have a game plan for preventing this from coming on the base or mm-hmm. the U.S. Embassy or especially the United States? Yeah. And everybody was like, huh? Hmm? What do you mean? It's a Chinese virus. Yeah. You know, so exposure, I had multiple possibilities, opportunities to be exposed. And then I fly back stateside and it's, it's a mandatory, it's like the flight freedom act or something like that. The Obama sign where we'd have to go back and touch ground on the United States Mm -hmm. after a tour Mm -hmm. and then um, flew to Portugal. So, there are a lot of these cases coming in from Europe. Yeah. And so may, maybe I picked it up on the plane there. Maybe I picked it up in Afghanistan. It really yet to be determined. And in February, I had like just just 12 hours of just like feeling clamped, like hot flashes. Oh, yeah. And I had an audible, uh, audible wheeze with mm-hmm. my breathing. And I was a little short of breath and fatigued. Yeah. 
I don't know. And so then the testing wasn't sophisticated then. They, they weren't ramping up the antibody testing. Yeah. And so got an email, I think it was May, from Quest. And they said, hey, come on in. Do your, do your antibody test. Like, I think I had it. I think I'm going to be positive. And then you could donate the blood. They spin off the serum. And they mm-hmm. can use the antibodies in treatment. Mm-hmm. And so I make the, make the appointment, go into my phone. It's the QVR code or something. I was like, yeah, okay, you're ready to go. She's like, no, where's your order? And I'm like, my order's right here. She's like, no, where's your order? I'm like, like I said, it's right here. She's like, no, you need a physician's order in order to get an antibody test. Like, looks like we're not getting an antibody test today. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm a, I'm a board certified PA. Can can you just take my verbal order? She's like, no, no, you'd have to have it on a prescription pad. I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> looks like it's not going to happen. There's been some weird barriers so put up around that and the yes. COVID testing. Yes. Taylor, Taylor had. Totally uh, agree. Taylor's dad got it, and she was with him in the period that they think it could have uh, passed, been passed along. Mm-hmm. And the hospital here just like blanket statement, like, "Okay, you're just out for 14 days." Yeah. And then she was like, "Well, why don't I get a test? Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking nurse." Oh yeah. And so oh. then she called in a favor to one of the her to the doctor she works with, and, they, and she was like, "Yeah, go, yeah, go get. I'll set it up right now. Go in." Like, cause the her management, Taylor's management, was saying no. The doctor was saying yes. That's like a good reason for you to get it. She has a negative, but still had to sit out 14 days from work. Absolutely. How about this one? So pre, pre-deployment was going to go do a contract job in Germany. And they said, hey, uh, they, they require you to take a, uh, a pre-plane, uh, um, pre-flight COVID test. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, that's a little weird. Don't you, you know, clinically speaking, I was just having a conversation with him. I said, mm-hmm. what do you think about me getting on these flights? I'll be in the auger plate, the incubator. How about, can we get tested? Can we get tested on when I land in, in Munich? And they're like, oh, I'll, I'll look into it for you. And so I said, well, in the meantime, I'll Google and see if I can go get a test. This is, I was in Boise. And 30 miles away, I think the town's called Caldwell or Meridian. I don't know if you know it, but anyway. No. So I follow the Google map, and I get to the place, and pull into where all the cars are parked and say, waiting for the test, and they come up in full biohazard hazmat <laughs> suits, right? Yeah. And they're like, are you pre-surgical? And I said, no, 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 we're pre-employment. I'm like, oh, that's a different one over there. Drive around over the hospital. Same thing, full-on Ebola suit, right? <laughs> and they come up, and we're like, how do you feel? And I said, like a million bucks. Like, you're not getting tested today. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. She's like, you feel great. You don't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough testing supplies to test asymptomatic individuals. Yeah. So I couldn't, so I emailed them. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get a pre-employment COVID screen. But it was good because I was getting on a flight full, uh-huh. right? Boise, Chiberia, Chicago, and, you know, O'Hare, uh, Munich. And then I show up, and then they said, you're going to have to wait 24 hours, but then you can do it at the airport clinic. I was the only guy in there. I was the only, in guy, the only guy in there wearing a mask. <laughs> Even the medical staff wasn't. Oh, yeah. But I got the oropharynx one, and the guy was pretty harsh. He was, like, gagging me with, <laughs> with the device. He went on both the posterior and the back of the throat. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, you'll get it when you get it. You might get it in, like, two or three days. Four hours. Oh, wow. Negative. Yeah. So, yeah, you've been all over the place. I'm surprised that you haven't picked something up somewhere. You would think, you know, you would think, but, you know, again, again, you know, prevention, right? Wear an appropriate mask, 
don't touch your face. Mm-hmm. Don't ever touch your face. And sanitize, wash your hands with warm soapy water for 20 seconds. You know, the list goes on. And you're healthy. You're not yeah. overweight. You're you're sound very active. Yeah. You probably eat well. Yeah. Like all this, the, those are the things that people aren't talking about at all. Like if you have all these different other um, conditions, but you wear a mask, like you you still very high risk to get it. Yeah. Because your immune system can't just can't fight it off. Somebody who's super healthy. Yeah. Even without a mask, could easily fight it off. Yeah. And or just ha- you know have the virus, but not really see any symptoms. Yeah. There's there's something that just talking about it yesterday, a couple of days ago with a buddy. There's got to be, you know, call, call me weird, but you know, there's got to be a, a commonality. There's got to be a DNA defect. There has to be a shared commonality amongst the mortality issues, mm-hmm. the mortality numbers, the, the the fatal deaths. Right. Well, what is it? Right. Chronic comorbidities. Right. Heart disease, hypertension, right? High blood pressure. Yeah. Especially obesity, have an elevated BMI, body mm-hmm. mass index, mm-hmm. and type 2 diabetes. And so we have that. We know that, right? We know that people don't take care of themselves. They pick up the virus. It's not going well for you. Yeah. That's, that's been what the science says, right? But there's got to be something else, right? There's got to be, do they all have a shared penicillin allergy? Do they all have an allergy to watermelon seeds, mm-hmm. peanuts? They have found that whatever um, you know, we don't, we just don't know yet. There's one that they found that uh, they're not like it's not for sure, but they they know that a, a shit ton of people that have died have vitamin D deficiencies. So that's not like a DNA thing. It's like that's a, the first a, I heard. a pretty yeah, it's like a pretty fixable thing actually. But that's a that's one of the patterns they found in, in the deaths. Vitamin D deficiencies, and that's that's something that most humans now uh, have to deal with mm-hmm. because we were meant, you know, our skin and our body was meant to be outside twenty four seven, basically, yeah, to be always absorbing it. And now we're sitting inside in offices under fluorescent lighting, and we're not getting that, right? So sure. you kind of just have to supp- supplement it. Sure. Yeah, you can. So, so you know, sun exposure not to your face, to your body. Yeah. Essentially, half hour a week is 50,000 IUs, which is 50,000 international units. Uh-huh. So it's a good way to get exposure to vitamin D, not getting a crazy sunburn, mm-hmm. and not taking pills. If you yeah. just are a purist and don't like taking pills. You yeah. Can, you know. That's what IUs Omega mean. IUs mean international units? Yeah. Taylor always says that. And like she's like, yeah, we gave this person this, this <laughs> I mean, IUs or something. I'm like, what are, what are IUs? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's, I know it's your measurement like unit, but what does it mean? What is the unit? Right. right. We, we have a crisis over here. We have an emergency. Can you get the machine that goes bing? Can we get some IUs over there? <laughs> right, right. Can he, can he, you know, a, a liter of something, something stats, something mm-hmm. IU in it? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Awesome. We talked a lot about COVID there. Yeah. Um, let's talk, let's talk more about mountains. So yeah. you're back. Love it. You're back here. What are your like main activities? So we, we know you did the river stuff, surfing. What are some other activities like you like to do here? I, I really love it all. Uh, hiking, yeah. hiking's at the top of my list. But the golf courses here are insane. Yeah. Do you ever play at the links at Teton Peaks? Absolutely. In Driggs? Absolutely. So I used to do their their digital marketing for them. You the man. I uh, but I I randomly my I found it one day. Actually, I just got a notification from their Instagram. Awesome. Um, awesome. My dad and I were trying to play on like an Easter weekend. We we're just searching yep. for any course that was open. And they were the right. only one open. 
and it was we got them on the day they opened for the season. We get out there and it's like dogs allowed. Just like pick up your poop, grab a bag. We're like, what is this place? Yeah, and it's like you know you have the view of the Grand. Um, as a golfer, I like the style of the course. I like the Lynx course. It plays a lot of homage to like old Scotland courses. So Absolutely. Like, what is this? What is this place out here? Why is it? Why have? Why does nobody know about this? Yeah, it looks like coming up on an old retired goat track, and all of a sudden you get in there, it's like a, a Scottish Lynx course. Yeah, exactly. It's Target Golf. That place is Target Golf. The first time I played. Yeah. And I was cracking up myself the whole time. At the turn, this is after just buying, you know, three sleeves, nine new balls. I got. <laughs> nine more because i lost <laughs> essentially nearly 20 yeah on the, i've had on days like that and and so golf golfing's up there you know we we talked about the sup sup on on flat water lake water mm-hmm. you know the snake or or the the float stretch you know the south park down mm-hmm. um mountain biking just got back from a mountain biking trip in the desert which was just off the charts which amazing where in the desert Moab really didn't – of course, it's beautiful there. They had road construction, same thing. There was traffic everywhere. Mm-hmm. People were milling about, really crowded. But the mountain bucking was like rock crawling. It was like super technical. Yeah. And the way I'd describe it would be like a hiking trail. Mm-hmm. And there was slick rock, slick rock Trail. I was probably off my bike 50 times in less than a half hour. I'm not making it up. Is it – are the no. trails there um... – like really up on mesas where you kind of just like go around the mesa. Yeah. And they've got, yeah. So we, we sweated it out with the two technical ones. Um, and it was just unbelievable how hard it was. And it was right. It was hot too. It was mm-hmm. really hot. And, uh, even one in our crew, two flat tires <laughs> way out there too. Like, yeah. Um, did we bring food, extra water, sleeping bag? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how long is this going to take? Yeah. And then, um, we had we were really starving for a buffed out roller, so we found this one outside of Loma, which is outside of Fruit and Grand Junction. Hmm. Just gorgeous, gorgeous valley. Their uh, Palisades is uh, the town to the east of Grand Junction, known for their peaches, famous for the peaches. They've got twenty seven wineries there. Oh, cool! They're just littered with mountain bike trails. And so we did the Rabbit Valley, uh, Rabbit Valley Junction to Western Rim. Dude, you are out on the rim. Oh, yeah. I was with my buddy Corey, I told you about, and, and he's leading the way, and we're just like, super buffed, and it's like coming down this way. We really didn't see a cairn or a fork on the road. And now we're walking our bikes. It's like 2,000 feet down to the Colorado <laughs> River Valley. And he looks back at me. He's like, Wani, I think we're off trail. Like, but we do see bike tires. We had to come back, go all the way back, because it was going to just run out into a cliff. And came back, finally found a trail, and then was able to do the whole room. It was like a 20-miler, but just off the charts. Yeah. I did um, last fall. We went really down beautiful. to we went down to Zion. Mm-hmm. Or, and then I uh, actually drove Taylor down there. She was doing a girls' weekend down there. So I just said, I'll drive you down there, and I'll go camp and mountain bike. Because right there by Rockville is Gooseberry Mesa. Have yeah. you heard of that? Yeah. It's just, like the, it's just like one of those classic like southern Utah giant mesas, and you just do a rim trail, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's all that slick rock stuff. And... You're right. I had the same experience. You're just going along, and the trail, the white dots, like take you right to the edge. And I got the dogs with me, and I'm like, I'm two feet from two thousand feet. Stay back. Yeah. <laughs> and then even part of the like part of the trail would like 
take you like if the, if this is like the cliff right here, mm -hmm. it'd be like yeah, just like you know, there's a little like crack or something. Like go over the crack yeah. on the trail, and yeah. the, the crack goes down to the ground. <laughs> I'm just like, what are these trails? Yeah, get me to the middle of the mesa. Super dangerous. Yeah, right? super challenging too. But there's you know there's so but there's just there's so much to do here, right? I don't know if you're a hot springs guy. I. I I, I like it. Who doesn't like a hot pool? Mm -hmm. But I love the cold water plunge. Mm -hmm. So I'm a cold plunger. And I don't know if you ever Googled up Wim Hof, but it's worth yeah, looking I know into. He is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just love being in on or near the water. Mm -hmm. And even even I'll get on a, a, a sea kayak and go for a tour. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing a lot of hiking, mountain biking, golfing. And the golfing, I just got addicted to. I had more time just being with the pandemic and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was just really tough to get on the golf course in California. But here, you know, they really the – only, the only thing they haven't really warmed up to is putting the rakes back in the sand traps. So mm -hmm. like, there is an advantage to COVID times, man. Yeah. On the golf course, you don't have to rake your, your footsteps. Yeah, and everyone's, <laughs> everyone's a little bit less stuffy because you don't have to do that. And you don't have to worry about taking the pin out. Like, uh -huh. everyone's not, like, so particular. It's just, like, uh -huh. just go hit it and, like, be be a touch courteous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if they did it here. But they shut it down. Any Tucson Newson. Gavinator, Gavin Newsom, Governor uh -huh. Newsom. Yeah. He shut it down on like St. Patty's Day, mm -hmm. March 18th or something like that. All of a sudden, it's like, done. Yeah. Closed. No, it was the only car in the parking lot. Go the next day after he shut it down. It's like, what is going on? It. We were just all here yesterday. Yeah. But we were being very mindful of yeah. distance and all the other preventative measures we talked about. And so then they finally warm up to say, you know, there's going to be a mutiny if we keep our surf breaks closed or <laughs> our trailheads closed or yeah. golf tracks closed. And sure enough, they warm up like, all right, no carts, walking only. I walk anyway most yeah. of the time. Same. Because if you do the whole 18 in De La Viega, it's five or six miles, right? Yeah. And it's up and down. And mm -hmm. you're essentially you know, wilderness hiking. Yeah. But they, they came up with this thing. It's like putting that Yeti cup in the hole and, it, and about halfway up. So mm -hmm. they put these metal traps and all you had to do was tink, just hit it. Oh, that's in. <laughs> all right, I got I got parted. I got four. Yeah. Or whatever. You know what I mean? Even though it was going to go 10 feet past. Right. It was, a it was the strangest thing. But, you know, they at least at least let us keep golfing. You know, and get out. Yeah. I think they had a stretch here where they, like most of the courses opened later than normal. Like, yeah. a, like a month, uh, two weeks to a month later. Mm -hmm. um, but then they all did the pool noodle in the hole, which I like better because it still has to go in the hole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Yeah, but there, and you know, just keeps everybody's hands off the, the pin and hands off everybody's balls, literally. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> just take it, take it from there. Yeah. But yeah, but there's, there's just, there's a ton, ton of stuff here and just a ton of different trails. And so I finally bought a, finally bought a park pass. Nice. And uh, I'll probably go do that today with a friend and just take it from there. Are you retired? Or like, how do you have all this time to do all this stuff? No, 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 not at all. So I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for deployment orders. Oh. So in the meantime, it, it, it can take a while to get an Idaho Board of Medicine, any state license. So an mm -hmm. Idaho Board of Medicine license and a Wyoming Board of Medicine license. And it's just taking longer than the average. Oh, okay. And so Idaho Board of Medicine, I applied on June 5th. I sent my application in for Wyoming's Board of Medicine PA license end of August. Oh my God! It takes a bit of time. Like like 2019 August. 
No, no, no. Oh, this August. Yeah, it's past okay. August. And then you got to make sure you got everything in there, references, and you know all of your all your certifications, your board cert, and stuff like that. But it, it takes a bit. So I'm just waiting to get deployment orders, mm-hmm. and um, or waiting, you know, for the license to say, hey, you can go. Here's a temp license. You can go to work because mm-hmm. it's really difficult throwing your resume out in Jackson Hole and it says up there California license PA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. Deep yeah. six shredder, yeah. So and it'll take all, time. It'll take time. When Taylor got her Wyoming nurse's license, it was all like paper based. It was like mailing stuff back and forth and all that stuff. I'm just like, this is 2020. Can we get one digital format of this? Can we try that out, government was, or tell- board of Wyoming? Exactly. I was just telling McLean right before I drove out in this podcast. I said, okay. With all we can do, and with all this computer can do, is, is capable of, and software, and yeah. just genius science, right? And we watched Social Dilemma last night. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if they can do all that and control people, yeah, and sway their votes or how they love or whatever, uh-huh. you mean we can't do a DocuSign based, yeah, web based application? Yeah, Idaho is the same thing. You need to print the application. Send it in a stamped envelope to undergrad to confirm that you were a student there and you graduated. Yeah. To the board in California, you actually have a a PA license. Hmm. Letters. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor had to like. Not emails, not websites. It's her own portal. Yeah. Taylor had to like call the the school we went (laughs) to to be like, hey, can you send my transcripts like four years later now? They're like, what? We don't, we don't like keep those. <laughs> we don't have them anymore. Yeah, and then and she got a minor in college, like normal college thing. Like it's not a big infraction, or but whatever category it's in, need to be included. And the, the courthouse was like, we, we don't keep records of minors from college students around here. I don't know who needs this. <laughs> but like nobody True. gives a shit about that. And they, they needed that. They needed like, all this stuff, it was it was ridiculous, and all paper, and it'd be all mail. You would you would think it would be far more organized, and at least I mean, you could get this done so fa- so fast, right? Yeah. So I don't have a printer, I don't have a scanner, but I've got a phone with yeah. a camera. Yeah. Right. But they're not Wyoming's not going to allow my references to say, yeah, I'll just fill it out and take a picture of it or scan it and email it to you. Like yeah. You have to mail it through the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. I so trust the delay. Yeah, that's I trust USPS, but but I trust digital way more and it's way yeah. faster. That's way more secure. If you, I mean, if you trust the USPS, you know, go find yourself a blue box, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a, nobody's a mailbox in Jackson. <laughs> we got here and we're like, There's wait, nobody much. does? Yeah. Like I have friends that live like, Probably not far from you, actually, on Kelly. Mm-hmm. He used to live there. And like mm-hmm. normal like neighborhood grid house. And yeah. he didn't have one. Like nobody has one. Yeah. Like what do we... What? And the, so the excuse of like the mail system doesn't want to like go drive through the snow to these far off roads is like really just a, not even a real notion. Yeah. Um, we got to drive to the post office. Yeah. I got to go there. Like this yeah. is... I'm on the main highway. I see... The postal workers drive by every day. They can't pull in here. Right. <laughs> you got to take it. Is your box in Wilson or a box of Jackson? It's still Jackson. That's just yeah. since we when we lived on Saddle Butte, we had it there, so we just kept it there. Awesome. She if she goes to the hospital or running any errands, it's not that big of a deal. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah. So where do you think we're going with this? Where do you think we're? Where do you think this? You, you think the vaccine is going to be ready to go? Incredible. How long do you think this is going to last? Uh, so the voting day is November 3rd, I think. Right. 
Um, I think two days after the results are determined, it, the COVID will be done. And I don't mean I don't mean um, the restrictions because that might just take a little bit longer for government processes to happen. Yeah. So you're saying all numbers are just going to vanish? It's. Just, I think the, the the focus on it will vanish. It's very Trumpian. Well, know, either it's very Trumpian. Well, either. So if Trump wins, it'll be okay. We have four more years of him. You know, COVID. COVID's not an issue. Children. Yeah. <laughs> if we have four, if we if Biden is elected, he's then the savior of COVID. He beat COVID for us. It's gone now. And I think it'll be a very short time for either of those outcomes. But either way, COVID's going to go away. And then what's actually, you know, true and factual these days? You know, where's your primary source? And can we can we believe that? You know, it's really it's fascinating. Yeah. So I don't have one. I mean, Motley Fool, but they don't give too many news. You know, it's more of stocks, you yeah, know, or financial or emerging tech brew, emerging brew tech or something like that. It's, it's more, you know, tech industry updates. Yeah. So, but. I like I have some YouTube some YouTubers that kind of report the news that I like for that for news like that, but with the numbers, it's so I, I have not found like a really good credible spot to yeah, go to. Same. If I really need to re- reference a number for COVID, I just go on Google and whatever they pull from. But yeah, but I don't even think that's that's not even the point. The point is like the media and government focus, or because the media is so insane about it, then big businesses and governments have to be focused on it because they don't want to be. They don't want to be shunned if they have some sort of outbreak and they were found to not have done the right thing in the eyes of the COVID view. That's why the resort is doing all these crazy, weird, different rules. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have, they, they, they have compassion for people. They don't want people to get sick and die, but like they didn't, they probably didn't change anything when uh, Ebola was here. They probably didn't change anything when, when H1N1 was here. And those were both, not as not as infectious, but um, more fatal. I think more fatal, but not as infectious. Lower numbers, but those are those are both situations they could have done something. But there wasn't this outrage about it, this craziness about it. Yeah, Ebola didn't make it to Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank God if it was because it's. It, it, you're right. I, I misspoke. No, it's okay. Did it even? It barely even made it to America, right? Like right. a couple, exactly. Couple cases. And incredibly lethal. Yeah, right? and incredibly infectious. If it was Ebola in the United States or in Santa Cruz, I wouldn't have left the house. Yeah. <laughs> no way. And like no way. really, really gross stories. Mm-hmm. Like the way you kind of, I, I, and I'm not a medical professional, you kind of just like shit yourself to death. Well, who's a big fan of rectal hemorrhaging anyway? <laughs> not me. <laughs> um, but just my point in being, you know, that we know, you know, the normal flu kills lots of people too, but we don't do anything on a big, big flu seasons. But it's just the the focus on if you're found to be someone who's like a non-believer or your business, your your customer-facing business didn't do the right things, keep people safe, you're shunned completely and you're canceled in the cancel culture. You know, you're canceled yeah, it, it, because you didn't do enough, you didn't do the right yeah. thing. Like they're they're directly blaming they're directly blaming deaths of 200,000 Americans on Trump when it's like he didn't like it's so hard you can't say that one guy mm-hmm. regardless of what he did or didn't do is is directly the reason why by 200,000 people died unless he dropped a bomb on 200,000 people 
Yeah, and, and but I will add, I will add, he was briefed, right? He was briefed early on and decided yeah. not to take it seriously. He, but he, he closed, he closed the travel to China. Right. Uh, I don't know what date. I think maybe January or something. Um, and got crucified for it. He 27th. got called a what? January twenty seventh. Yeah, but he got called a racist. Yeah. And and then we're then it's like, well, no, he did do that. And then the response is now. Well, it wasn't all the travel, but it, yeah. that there was some people that came back from China, but those were all American citizens uh, and like green card holders, I think, that were coming back here. Yeah, so you're so good point. So it didn't get completely shut down. Why? Forty thousand more people during the month of February, kind of supporting what you're talking about. Yeah. What people? Well, yeah, there's a significant number from China, but there is a plethora of people coming in infected from Europe. Yeah. But he and then they closed they closed that travel down not long after that, February or March. Right, right. So they, they said, yes, we closed it down, but it didn't actually close completely down and say there are no flights. People were still traveling back and forth. Yeah. But then it was it was by by March a lot of countries. Yeah. But then think about it, you know, every country was banning all Americans because mm -hmm. we're the <laughs> we're the sickest, you know. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. That's a funny turning of the tables. But dude, I got into I, I was I was just getting I was just suffering from pandemic fatigue. Mm -hmm. And Cali was it really felt like I was living in Cuba in the 40s. I'm like, you know what? I want to go California. <laughs> right, right. I want to go check out what Baja's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Mexico's like, dude, I get on the plane, $118 flight. <laughs> San yeah. Jose. Yeah. Right. Direct to San Jose del Cabo. End of March, early April, and there were three other people on this big old jet. Oh, that's awesome. We were the only people wearing masks. The staff wasn't wearing masks. Just telling you the story. It was a yeah. little interesting, right? Yeah, it's weird for... What what airline was it? Alaska. Oh, interesting. And then, yeah, is this going to last? You know, is this going to last at all? Sure enough, on the trip, I get an email when I'm on my trip. I said, going back, you're not going back direct. Mm -hmm. You're going through LAX. So you knew they shut that down. Like, There's four fucking people on the flight. Yeah. They can't make <laughs> money on that. Have you ever been on a, uh, a plane like that that's really light, that has no baggage, you know, baggage, luggage, or people? Um, yeah. I have actually from here. It was it was a different year. It wasn't a COVID flight. It was just like a random, like, late flight after, like, a big snowstorm Yeah, where there was, like, five people on the whole thing. Do you remember the torque, how fast that thing took off? No, I don't. Got in there? It, it was just unbelievable what it was like. Go time, you can hear him revving up, you know, the engines. And all of a sudden, it was like, flip, flip. it felt like he was on the tarmac for 50 yards at the most. I feel like that's what it's like Half every like, landing and takeoff here. Just in the air. Because I think it, I think the, the zone they have to take off and land in is, like, pretty small in this airport. Mm -hmm. It seems like they always come in real sharp, stop real abruptly. And the same with the takeoff. They're just like, they get out and they're just like, get up. Get up off the, the Tetons, basically. Yeah. Have you, have, how long have you been here? Six, seven years? I've lived here for a year and a half. Oh, year but and I've, a half. But I've been coming here since the early 2000s um, yeah. with just vacationing with my, with my family. Awesome. So do you remember when Sandra Bullock's plane went off the, skidded off the tarmac? I do, yeah. Do I was, here. I was actually story? here. Yeah, I was like <laughs> snowboarding. I know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe the pilot came in too hot or he hit some ice. He could break, but whatever. You know? Yeah. Like people, people do miss. Yeah. People there's been, do miss. There's been so many private jets out there. Yeah. I heard, I heard a story where uh somebody somebody private jet wanted to land here and they didn't have a place to like uh put the jet after it landed so the pilot just landed the people got off and then he had to fly over to like driggs to leave the plane 
just to like because there's so many jet private jets here right now storage is over the hill yeah wow that's insane well like just to put it in a hangar or i don't know if they put it in hangars or put it just on the tarmac but a parking a parking spot basically yeah. for it yeah. so interesting because it back to dead bunny butte up there at the hike just looking out over everything and kind of seeing what you know what's taking off what's landing and stuff like that and there are a lot of gulf streams flying in yeah they, they were not it was obvious you know they're not a commercial company mm-hmm. so they're i mean just in a short amount of time yeah kind of taking in you know the sun going down and the view of the tetons but there's there's some money here mm-hmm. definitely way yeah. more than you know when i first got here in 92 it's a yeah big big difference yeah, in the last in the last like three months, it's been it's just exploded. I have a couple of real estate friends here that are just like nonstop selling houses for full fully for cash and sight unseen. A lot of times, mm-hmm. where these like tech people or people from LA just have like these bonuses, or they have they got out of the stock market at the right time, and they're just like, "Get me out of here, yeah. or hide my money here, yep. or whatever." Just like, "Yep, this oh, it's Jackson. I hear that's fun. I hear the real estate market's popping off. Let's just buy it." Headed to the hills. Yeah. Get out of the big cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you, so a year and a half. So speak to me on post-Labor Day in Jackson last year versus what you see today. Oh, it's those shoulder seasons are like kind of our favorite time of the year because there's nobody here. Mine too. And we love all the local discounts that the, that the restaurants do during that time. We mm-hmm. love looking through the paper for those. Um, but it kind of... Um, this year at the post Labor Day time period, there I didn't see any slowdown at whatsoever. I I almost would even think that it's gotten busier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like people without kids now are coming or their kids are still here. Or what? But like usually it's that when school starts is when it drops off. But Notice, it didn't at all. Not at all. Not at all. Noticeably different from just you know. Labor Day Monday, Tuesday, people are gone. Yeah. Right? And and places will typically shut down and they'll go take a vacation because mm-hmm. there's not that many tourists. Restaurants and bars are pumping right now. Mm-hmm. Pumping. Went to go, uh, what was at the Wart, Tuesday's Bluegrass Night, yeah. One Ton Pig. Yeah. Of all things, Justin Smith grew up in Modesto as well, and he oh. and I played on a traveling team on a traveling soccer team in Germany in 1983 for like oh, a month. Oh, sick. Yeah. And it's so good seeing it. Like, there he is, Justin. Yeah. yeah. Great band and stuff. Those guys are awesome. They're really, really talented. It probably was a 20-minute wait to get a table. It was it was packed. That's everywhere. It, yeah. There's multiple days packed. we go for dinner in town. It's just like 40 minutes, an hour. It's kind of hop around. You think like, all right, where? Let's go off the square, Yeah, away from town. The bird has been good. And they recently, all summer, they were only on their deck. So that was, you still had a long wait there. But like two weeks ago, they changed to be nor, uh, less tables, but walk up, seat yourself, same yeah. thing that they usually are. Yeah. What do you think, it, the, these are just rumors I've heard. So of course, it's going to be freezing cold and not too short of a time, mm-hmm. right? So what's their plan? Or are they going to tent up with heaters? Or is the governor going to loosen up restrictions and say, go for it? Just take precautionary measures. Uh, it's it's so tough to predict that because with this with that COVID risk that we're at right now, if mm-hmm. that continues, if that doesn't slow down, if the amount of tourists don't slow down, which would slow down the COVID risk, like 
how how can the how can the governor open things up for mm-hmm. indoor seating? Um, I mean, now they're at like sixty percent of their indoor tables. Most of the restaurants here, I think that's the rule, um, or sixty percent of their indoor capacity. And yeah, so I don't to allow that to open up. You need the you need these summer tourists to to, to slow down a little bit. And I don't know what chain of events has to happen for that to slow down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Agree. Because they're be not interesting to see. They're not going to open it up any any restrictions if if we're having these insane numbers of right. people. Right. Like I th- I think we passed I think we passed our 2019 summer tourist total mm-hmm. like in like early August. No kidding. And now that's we're three months, two full months later. And it's still going off at yeah. a higher rate than normal normal seasons in the mid in the middle of the summer. Yeah. So we'll probably end up at like 150 percent of a normal year. Yeah. I could imagine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what's what's today? October seventh. October seventh. Yes. I haven't seen it slow down at all. Nothing. No. Zero. Grocery stores, restaurants, bars, walking about, shopping. Yeah. And people people were mingling. Yeah. Were mingling. And like I was telling you with Moab too, it was packed. Yeah. Have you been out to Full crowds? Uh, I've had a couple of days where I had to bring people to the airport early, and then I go drive around by Kelly to see animals in the morning. Um, that Gravant campground out there, you know, cool. yeah. Every day there's a traffic jam from the campground <laughs> like gates out to the to that road, that highway road mm-hmm. of people trying to get in there. Like every single day, like hundreds of people, and still this was like September, uh, like eighteenth. I brought my dad to the airport, and that is what I saw that day. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be the theory has to be correct. It has mm-hmm. to be the pandemic, right? So mm-hmm. people are out of work, and if they're not out of work, well, the kids can do their school anywhere. So they're probably just like, "Fuck it, let's go road trip. Let's go see the United States." Yeah. Can't fucking fly anywhere. Yeah, I think so that's go, a, that's more of it too. Let's go buy a, a camper van and go and just get off the off the radar for a while in these mountain towns yeah that has to be it. and bring the covid to them right, <laughs> right. exactly these fuckers are too sheltered up there go bring some <laughs> bring them some covid let's go infect the remote wilderness yeah yeah but i think it's i think it's um equal parts the ability for people to be virtual mm-hmm. to do their stuff whether it's with school or work and the fact that they can't go anywhere else if if we had the ability to go to europe a lot of these people had europe People go to Europe in the summer. People go there to ski. People go wherever. They don't. They don't have the world to travel to, so they're just traveling in America. And what are the places you want to see in America that you need that you need to travel to? Mm-hmm. Jackson Hole is one of them. Yeah. The the national yeah. parks are one of them. People are probably doing so many of those. I don't want to. They just are annoying. These annoying ass national park trips where they're just like we hit. 97 national parks in three days. <laughs> like those trips. They're probably doing all of those. Oh, like we had yeah. Glacier, Yellowstone, Grand Teton. We didn't see anything in them, but we saw the sign. <laughs> those trips. They're probably all doing those trips, you know? <laughs> true. Right? Uh, I, I, the, the great news is I haven't seen the wildlife animal cause traffic jam. As I've seen one. Yeah. So far, which typically it's it's like three or four times a week. Um, but, you know, there's usually a bison, you know, milling about. I've only seen a bunch of cars stop causing traffic delays for moose. Yeah. So mo- the moose around that. here get a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, last, I think it was last week, 
the bison herd was like down by Mormon Row. Oh, cool. And so they love that. There was Absolutely some love that. Yeah, yeah there's some jams there. And <laughs> when I walked up, oh, where'd my phone go? Some really cool pictures because they're really close. But I know what I'm doing around them. And a lot of the people from out of town do not. Yeah. So I pull my truck up to where I thought was comfortable. And then I use my truck as shelter from them so they don't charge me. I kind of feel like they don't – I don't think they see very well. So they don't really can, – they can't really see me against it as mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I pull my truck up. And then these people go in front of my truck with no barrier between us and the, and the bison. It's probably from here to my truck now mm-hmm. away. And they're like taking pictures like facing the camera. And they're like <laughs> – and I'm like, what are you morons doing? Those bison are looking at you. Uh, there, but there, yeah. There was a gorgeous animal. Yeah. That's by Mormon Row? Um, yeah, like just to the west. Like yeah. all, in between Mormon Row and the, the highway. Gotcha. Outstanding. Yeah. I, re- I remember the, the family. I can't remember where they were from, but they were up in the park as Yellowstone. Did this stop for the buffalo? Mm-hmm. And the if my memory serves me correctly, the mom put the infant on the buffalo oh that's a classic story that's so bad and right this this everybody i think this was true and gets bucked off and killed while dad or husband's videotaping it yeah and obviously that's what would happen if you put a child on a bison (laughs) this is this is a common topic on the podcast we always talk about this new story we hear about this yeah yeah we had there was one this year so yellowstone opened like three weeks later than normal for the summer season, two days after they opened, somebody got bucked. And then yeah. like the next week, somebody went up to Old Faithful, like to the mouth of the geyser and was trying to take a selfie in it and got roasted by the water. He was scalded. Yeah. I like, what are one. we doing? Yeah. How does he, I, I wanted to know, how did he even get up there? Because like, you've, you've been to Old Faithful. Well, I'm sure he's climbing some sort of barrier. Right. Well, they don't have like a they don't have like a fence. They have the yeah. the walkway around it, and it's pretty clear. Don't mm-hmm. go past there. And there's rangers all over the place. Yeah, like yeah. I got yelled at for having my dog on the walkway, which is like, all right, I'll keep him back. Yeah. And but it's like, how do you even get up to the mouth of the geyser? Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at it. Well, it, it's the it's the grand this rim of the Grand Canyon factor. Yeah, right. People the Darwin fall off. That. Yeah, let me get closer. Let me get closer. Let me yeah. take a photo. A photo op. Post an IG. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Or Yosemite, the whole thing. So hometown Modesto is essentially two hours to the west, in the Central Valley from Yosemite, mm-hmm. Fair, fairly close. And it's all it's always the same thing. Yeah, and it's typically the Vernal Falls Mist Trail, right? Mossy, slippery, wet. But I'm like, okay, go slow to go fast. Take your time. Don't do any dipshit stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get up top. You can keep going to Nevada Falls up higher. Or just look down Vernal, and there is a bar there. There's a safety bar. Mm-hmm. Every time I've been there, Tyler, someone's like hopping the fence. Oh my god! You know, hopping the railing, getting closer, holding on. You know, and you'll hear about it every summer. Yeah, it's not a couple times a summer. Yeah, a fatal, a fatal injury. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't know what it is about. That's preventable. Yeah, sports fans. I don't know what I don't know what it is about like the stupidity that we get into when we are when we're tourists. Um, I had a really good insight from that artist Haley uh, uh, two episodes ago. Yeah, she was saying she went to China uh, a handful of years ago and was noticing how stupid all the American tourists were. So, it, so it's just like this. When when we're tourists, we get stupid. All humans apparently, <laughs> because. 
like even if you're from you know denver or chicago or san francisco wherever you come here and you just it's like this fantasy week you're not it's not real life for you so you're just like nothing you know nothing can go wrong nothing bad will happen to me i can i need you know i want to make the most of this trip so i want to get really close to the bison i want to go i want to get to the edge of that trail i want to go to see the edge of uh half dome i've seen people like fall off a half dome too yeah yeah oh absolutely i want to go see the edge of it and it's like you know no it's still like you can still get hurt on vacation yeah no absolutely absolutely you know i think the park rangers i think the park rangers do a really good informal and informative educational yeah. preventative talk to even even the locals that you know if you ever go up and wait in the line and get a permit to go backpack you know in on a teton crest trail or something like that they yeah. do a really good job of like okay here's the deal about packing in your trash and about defecating the wilderness and about yeah. which animals and this is about that animal they do a really good job and you'd think that would have some impact on people but still we see those those accidents yeah you know, just from not thinking with the gray and white matter combined yeah and i like i don't know if they've yeah i don't know if they've always done this but they have these wildlife um wildlife rangers that you see out and about and if so if an animal is near a road they'll have those guys there and they're less of like the full-on park ranger and just like a a moderator to make sure people stay away and i think that's done really been a really good addition to to those to to keeping those interactions between the animals and humans safer got it we saw, do you know, do you know Grizzly 399? Have you heard of her? Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. The famous, the famous one. Yeah, yeah, that's still being tracked. Yeah, well, she has four cubs right now. Nice. So we were with my parents. I was going up to Yellowstone and just north of Moran, we came around the corner and there was like 200 people stopped in this, on this road and it oh, was boy. her and her four cubs like 50 yards off the road. So could have been a very dangerous situation if people got too close, but they had like 10 of those wildlife rangers out and about, like keeping people back. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job where I'm sure it made a people, a lot of people's trips really awesome to see 399. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And how long, I can't, I can't remember how long, but they've been, she's been tracked for like, this is another whole litter too. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Or she's got a, a numerous liver litters. Yeah. She's, I, they, I think they credit her with the most, cubs of any tracked grizzly ever okay that's what it was and it's yeah. like 20 oh, over her lifetime they call it i think her nickname is fertile myrtle <laughs> it's another name for her because because like I, I don't know a ton about grizzlies and their breeding but mm-hmm. they don't i think it's usually one or two cubs at a time and she's had multiple years of like three and then this one's enormous because it's four and they're all surviving unbelievable and uh, do they have the data on her prior litters? Are they still doing okay? Or I don't know they if they tracked them to... that long. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they just go into the regular population and they get tracked. Maybe they don't. I don't know if they can like DNA test to say like, yeah, this male, hers. this male is three nine nines. Yeah, they can probably guess just from the area. So cool. I wonder. I just thought of this. So cool. I wonder if they're gonna have to run into um, uh, what's I don't know why I'm blanking on this word. Uh. What's the word when two people that are related um, get together, or two animals that are related have uh, mate in sexual intercourse? No, but like when when they're related, copophile copulation. <laughs> no, when they're when they're like related, when they're like uh, too close of relatives. Incest is best. In- incest. That's the Love. word. I couldn't think of the word incest. 
Love is a must, but incest is best. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to run into issues with incest in the population because they're all 399's cubs. Yeah. Or if a majority of them are 399's cubs. Yeah. They're all like, they'd all be like half siblings because it's her and multiple, probably multiple, yeah. multiple different males. I'd love to look more into that. I love it. But, but she hovers around uh, the GV or more in the park? In Grand Teton National Park. Yeah. I saw her just north of Moran. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And always, always with her cubs. Yeah. This, this summer, yeah. she's been always with all four cubs. And she, she has an, she's an Instagram account that has like 6,000 followers. The bear, a bear, a bear has more followers than I do. Same. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I got to I got to get you um, into the water and get you surfing. You do. Uh, yeah. Next, next runoff, man. Next, next snow melt. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to do that. Do you have wetsuit? No. Got it. I don't do anything. I don't really do anything in the river besides like walk along it. We can always, we can always find you yeah. uh, some rubber. You I'm know, used wetsuit. to, I'm used to Lake Superior. I don't even need a yeah. wetsuit, man. <laughs> Cold plunge, dude. Yeah. Cold plunge. I'm to, I'm totally into the cold plunge stuff. We would go um, in college. We would go do ice baths in Lake Superior. Love it. Yeah. So good for you too. Yeah. So good for you. Big old you know endorphin release. Yeah. Oxytocin, dopamine. Yeah. And even this summer, chemicals. Yeah. Even this summer, I do like an early mountain bike ride right before it would get hot with the dogs, and then go down right just south of the bridge and just sit in the water like up to my chest and just kind of like almost Perfect. like meditate in there. And just like sit and watch my watch and make sure I just do it for like four or five minutes. I don't think it was almost. I think you were you reached a meditative state. Well, I Huge I f- health benefits. From yeah, it. it's pretty cool. I, I said almost. I say almost meditate because I'm not like sitting there like oh I'm not like <laughs> a Buddhist. I'm like a monk. I just sit there and like breathe and relax so and kind of just clear my head. Did you feel your mind was shut down? Were you able to embrace the moment? Yeah, you kind. I just try to instead of thinking about you know what I'm trying to do that day or stuff going on or work. I just tried to focus on like feeling the the current, feeling like the water around me, feeling the way the cold feels, keeping an ear on the dogs, obviously. Yeah. But the other stuff to just kind of let it clear away and just let it you know let the coldness take over my body. Outstanding. I think you're meditating. <laughs> I do meditate I other places, other times, but I yeah. So I'm not, awesome. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of meditating. I mean, you can skin it all you want, yeah. that lunch counter wave and the Snake River. But man, when it's chocolate water, you yeah. know, chocolate water rafting, yeah. it's full runoff. It feels, it feels like it's 33 degrees. Oh yeah, I would, I would. You just, enjoy, you'll enjoy it better. Yeah, for sure. Huge fan of cold plunging, but we're gonna want to be hanging out there for a good, definitely. You know, hour, hour and a half, two hours. Okay, yeah. Getting waves. What time of the year is the best for that? It, 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 great question. It just depends on depends on our snowfall that we had the winter prior, and then the temperatures after winter ends. Spring temperatures uh, really is gonna is it gonna excite the runoff because we had day you know five straight days over ninety degrees mm-hmm. of air temp. Then you're gonna start seeing it jump up you know two thousand CFS or plus a yeah. day. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just really difficult to predict at this point. But typically averages the month of surface is June. But June again that record high water level in ninety seven was shit. It didn't drop probably till December. You know because yeah. it was still in July. It was in the in the. 20s high 20s low mm-hmm. 30s awesome I, I would have to look that up I, but i think that's what it was but it was you know you would have to get before that big runoff and a big snow year like that which translates you know to high cfs you'd have to probably hit that by may 
Yeah. Because it was coming up so fast. There's so much snow to be melted. Yeah, I noticed but. that he now living over here. We'd have like a few high days of temperature, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then I'd be on the river, and it was like three, two, three days later, it was dramatically higher. Yeah, it was like cool to see the difference. Be like, okay, we know it's coming, and then just to see that, see it happen, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then and you could, it, it's pretty wild, and you'll see a, and you could, you kind of track it in how much snows in the mountains. Yeah, you, know you see I mean? the, the the white level go up. Yeah, and then and then you know the heat wave goes away, and then it's like barely topping out at sixty five. Mm-hmm. It's freezing at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the high elevation. So that snow's not going to melt 24-7. Yeah. yeah. You know? But it's kind of fun to track. It's kind of mm-hmm. fun to follow. Definitely. But I would say just focus kind of on June. Yeah. Um, but you got to be you got to be okay not paddling with a life jacket. You got to go with the theory of I'm going to get a little float from my rubber and definitely a float from the know, board. The, it's, it, the board's your safety. Yeah. Because you can't – I saw it a lot this summer – there's so much flotation in the chest, you just can't get a solid, stable, consistent, persistent, effective paddle mm-hmm. swim like when you crash to get over to the eddy. Yeah. And I was I was sup surfing and I was down in the eddy to the river right and I saw three in the course of like 10, 15 minutes, all getting washed down in the middle. Missing the eddies on the left, getting washed way down on the left. All three of them had life jackets, had PFDs on. Uh-huh. And you just can't, you just, it just won't help your stroke. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it's, it's defeating the entire purpose. It's actually getting in the way. Yeah. You know, you'll hear sometimes from purists, oh man, it's dangerous. You shouldn't be in there without a life jacket. With like, it's just very difficult to pull off that sport, surfing on a wave in the river with a life jacket on. Yeah. Do they so. make do they make wetsuits like with little flotation little like pads? Yeah, like, I mean, they've, you've ever seen those like wake the pro wakeboard like vests that they wear? Yeah, it's like little tiny bits of flotation. They're doing so the big wave contests, the big wave competitions, the big wave surfers. They're they've designed not only padded but with the chamber, the air chamber, just like oh, the, yeah. the avalanche bag. Oh yeah, cool. And so if they're you know they're getting pounded, they're getting held under. And, you know, the board's tombstoning, right? So the board's caught on the current on the top of the surface of the ocean. Uh-huh. And you're, you're fully getting Maytagged, soak, wash, rinse, spin cycle, way down below the length of your, your leash. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could, okay, if, if I'm not going to pull it yet, I'm not going to pull the ripcord, I'm going to just climb up my leash and get on board and I should be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these guys are, are not only surfing with them full time, but they're, definitely competing with them and i think they might i would have to look that up it might be sanctioned to where you cannot participate um if it's over you know 30 feet or whatever without a padded plus the air chamber vest some of those big wave competitions are insane did you see maya cabrera uh surf the 75 footer no let's look this up i was i was where was it so uh, nazare 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 tomato tomato I've heard people pronounce it five different ways. But anyway, me and my big bro, Mark Bra were there um, early February. And there wasn't even, dude, there wasn't even a swell in town. And it was double overhead and it looked terrifying. So now imagine it hitting, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 feet. And it's created by this, this canyon trench. Mm-hmm. Where all the energy comes in, beelines directly to where that lighthouse is, that famous red lighthouse. Mm-hmm. But right before, 
is that massive geological feature of the canyon and that's what causes it to jack up so high yeah it's a combination of the force of the incoming swell and then the depth and the angle of the canyon yeah wild yeah. absolutely wild what should i search here uh put in n-a-z-a-r-e big wave surfing yeah go go 2020 it's mind-blowing Absolutely mind-blowing. Is this it? <laughs> See oh, my mean? God. See what I mean? So Seven walk, months ago? or Right. We walked out here. There were, there were tourists, but nothing like a surf competition. Yeah. So we were you know, taking pictures here. Now, that that's right. You're up on the cliff, and you're up on this wall, and you could see the incoming wave. That's how big that thing is. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. And, again... There was no, the swell was coming, but we already had plans to go to Algarve in southern Portugal. And it was, it was just, it looked small, but it was double overhead, but still it looked like it had fangs. What does double overhead mean? Double overhead, so two, two times your size. Oh. Right. You've say been saying just, a lot of surfing terms that I, I don't get. Question anything, anytime. And there, right, you can't, you will not be able to function without a sled. Yeah. Without a rescue ski. Yeah. Um, and just, just jet skiing on these things is insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, even just, right, even being out there as the safety guy. And he's doing tricks. He's in a 360. Do the 360. The, these, I mean, we all, right, we all know. These guys, they know what they're doing. But nature, especially here, is extremely overwhelmingly powerful. Yeah. Nature doesn't, doesn't give a fuck about what, if you know what you're doing. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So This, is, this looks like a freaking avalanche coming down. Like, that's a, absolutely. That, that's what that foam looks like. Yeah, it like. looks like snow, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a whole crown fracture just released, the whole mountainside released. Yeah. And, you know, again, oh my God. we all understand they know what they're doing, but dude, there's, there's so many opportunities to get fucked up out there. Yeah. It's just wave after wave is that enormous. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? So incredible. And there's you could you could trip out for days on this website. But you know that this lunch counter, you know, lunch counter, it's you know, you're not gonna be surfing it at sixteen thousand CFS where you really have to contend with the size of those waves and the wave train and then mm-hmm. the eddy the eddy fences, the bo- the boils and the whirlpools. And the when it when it's seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand, you know, ten thousand, it it's nowhere near as dangerous as that. Yeah, you know, as, as the Portugal wave, um, you're gonna feel it. You'll have some moments. You but you know you need to be comfortable in the water, especially in moving water. Yeah. But you'd be surprised if you do have like a fish, like a six four fish, a six four, a six six fish. It's a fun shape board, a little wider, a little, you know, little, you know, uh, stocky kind of more volume up the front. And you have way easier time to get into the wave with a board like that and a way easier time, less dramatic time getting your ass kicked by the wave train. Yeah. And easier finding the top of that left mm-hmm. eddy to get out and come do it again. Yeah. You know? Cool. So it's not like it, it's the most powerful water you've ever seen. You know, yeah, that's just it's a completely different 
level in big wave surfing. But I mean, you'll feel it'll get your attention, but it's not as bad as some people say it can be because they've had some bad experiences near drowning events at the counter. Yeah. Um, but something I'd like to do. Get used to it. Yeah. Something I'd like to do is just spend more time getting comfortable with the moving water. Yeah. Like just going in and just like, you know, jumping into a spot that I know has some safety and just feeling what it's like to swim side to side in it, up it, down it. Just get that more feel because I haven't done a ton of that. Yeah. Just in the spots like on the classic route, you you know, like the flat spots, you just jump out and they tell you like, you know, feet down, whatever. Yeah. You do the stuff, but it's not like really having to do anything. There's no pressure. It's not like I got to get out of this. Absolutely. And a good way, you know, a good way would be, you know, of course, hot day, the water's come down a little more, you can go and trunk it. But, you know, during runoff, get a little more current, get a little more size, a little more volume, mm-hmm. and just put a wetsuit on, helmet if you want, life jacket, get a boogie board, fins, and just go and cruise around on the wave and just learn how to do it, get washed down before you go immediately onto a surfboard. Yeah. It'll, it'll give you... It'll give you a, a way more clarity and just info on where you got to be versus what you have to absolutely avoid. Yeah. And anybody I take, I teach surfing, I, I take them body surfing first or I'll take them boogie boarding. Mm. You know, like we need to understand safety. How do you get out of the impact zone, mm-hmm. past the impact zone to be able to be in the, the takeoff zone of a wave, whether it's a point break, a beach break. You know, yeah body you know shore breaker um orthopedic surgeon's dream right <laughs> and get collapsed onto a reef or or the sand mm-hmm. but um it really gives people that knowledge and which creates you know a little more comfort and confidence to be like oh that's how far i need to get under that wave so yeah. i don't get belted back by it yeah and that's where i need to be in the takeoff zone and like that's a little too deep I meaning i'm gonna it's gonna clobber me in my uh, in my face mm-hmm. and i'm gonna kind of stay on the shoulder and know when to paddle and know when to take off mm-hmm. it'll be very helpful to start with like body surfing just yeah. swimming it then getting the boogie board and then upgrading to the surfboard yeah, yeah. Taylor has a a, a sup that she takes. She's like, she's gone to the Teton River a couple times. Awesome. And that's that's super flat. I understand. But maybe if yeah. I just like took it on the snake, on a stretch that I know, and just did it on my own. You know, kind of jumped into a couple spots where I could be washed out and sure, and just get that feel of like you know, so that I don't, so my body doesn't panic. Yeah. When I'm in a real wash. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and remember, it's like, you know, skiing, snowboarding, you know, you're, you're looking up three or four or five turns ahead, right? Yeah. Planning your, planning your outlet for, to just keep promoting safety. Exactly. You know, is there an eddy, right? You know, if I get a little scared, you know, is there, there's an outlet for me. So I think, consider that when you're doing that too. Definitely. Yeah. It'll, it'll be helpful. Yeah. We've done, yeah, I've done a lot of floating. That's one thing I don't really think about, but I should, because I love being on the water and it's such a good thing to like do is to, to cool down after some activity mm-hmm. we did uh we did Absolutely. we did fish creek have you done oh, fish yeah. creek uh-huh. the, yeah. those bridges are so sketchy <laughs> you're gonna get decapitated yeah there was one <laughs> so t- i was on a, a, a little bunch inter- of fish in there too aren't there, aren't there a bunch uh of fish in there? probably i mean it's called fish creek yeah right. so probably um i was on just an inner tube there's like an albertson's inner tube and i was holding the cooler and taylor was on her paddleboard and and we were attached and I had to jump the last bridge before you get out. 
I had to jump off of my tube and just float in the water to stay under the bridge and not get my head taken off. Yeah. It wasn't no, moving I, that fast, so I could have stopped it, but yeah. But so close. Like inner tube is what, like this this tall? Right. And I, I it skimmed the handles. Like that's sketchy for that flat of a, of water. Oh, yeah. you, there should be that much sketch level. And there's a bunch of them. There's like seven. Some of them, the ones to the like the private ones, people to to the the houses are taller. Mm-hmm. But even that, like, there's debris caught on the legs or something like that. Did you take it all the way to pour into the snake? Did you go all the way down? No, we just did like up, up towards Phillips Ridge that put in spot to uh, Pearl Street Bagels. Unbelievable! Just a classic like hour, one that's hour. Yeah, yeah, just the afternoon. But no. No waves, no strong eddies there. It just kind of just flows on narrow banks, right? Doesn't just keep there's, on there's a couple eddies, but not strong ones. A couple rocks, but it's not deep enough to really do anything. Like it's gotcha. a little like it's a little like this much movement as you get down it. Yeah, but nothing really crazy. Yeah, nothing turbulent. Yeah, got it. It's That's more the it's more the bridges and avoiding the bridges so you get on the right slot of the yeah. to get under it. You know, another thing another thing you can do too is to get used to it is um, big kahunas. It's, I don't know what's CFS today three thousand probably three to four thousand be my guess. And there, it, it's a different shape than when I was a guide. I guided and guided for Mad River for Breck O'Neill for ten years and oh, sweet. taught the guide school for five. That's awesome. And you know you seen it so many trips so many years you know you have this image this memory embedded in your your memory bank mm-hmm. and it looked completely different the last time i was out there buddy ned twin brother h hal his wife one of his daughters and we we're on uh, puma and we're like robin you're going you're, you're at the sticks you're gonna you're gonna run this it's like i don't I know we we're fully confident in you she was practicing coming down from Gaging Straits, which is a really mellow section. Then you turn the corner and it's ba bum ba bum bum. You know, and then you're going to big kahuna. And I was looking at it, I was like, Yeah, you're good. You're good. You got you're dialed in, you got it lined up. I'm on the front, so I'm gonna be the bow rider. I look at H and I said, You know, you might want to strap that that Yeti down. He's like, Oh no, not, that's gonna happen. We're not gonna flip. <laughs> and then his daughter's on the back. And we're coming up on like that looks so different, and it's just like this wedgy wave that's just like barreling. Mm-hmm. It, l- it looks like a small tube ride. Yeah, right. She just comes right in that thing, and it just clobbers us. They're gone. Dump truck. Somehow I stayed. I'm full on whitewater rodeo. <laughs> Just trying to high side, get a surf out of it. Somehow, it, it, you know, when you just feel like, okay, this is flipping. Like convinced twice I was going over. Yeah. Was still on the raft. All the photographers like, yeah, you know, like full just tourist dork or something. Yeah. You know, they're just cracking up at me. And so I get in the sticks. I was able to get over. I look up, and H's daughter is just like. You know, casually swimming the Yeti cooler that got dumped in the <laughs> in the river over to the Yeti. Everybody was fine. Yeah, it's got a, It's got I think a strong enough punch to it to where you could go. You could go down to the lunch counter turnoff, go down the trail to river right, swim upstream, and get across to the river above lunch counter. It's low water, so lunch counter's not going to have the wave, right? Yeah. So get other, get to river left and jump out above 
photography, uh, the picture rock, uh-huh. and on a boogie board and just. You got to dial it in, right? And just go go body surf it, boog, yeah. boogie board it. Yeah. And really think about it because mm-hmm. it's still warm and it's the lower it gets, if I recall, that's right. It's a low water feature. So at 3,000, 4,000, it's going to be a significant wave. Yeah. Is that the one? Big Kahuna kind of, you kind of, you kind of go into a little dip and then it goes, you just yeah. go up on top of it. Yeah. 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 I love that on the. On the big, the big right uh, above, rafting things. Yeah, right above lunch counter. Yeah, yeah, that's your, that's your, that's your spot. That's your wave spot. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can get down there before it gets too cold and see if it's, yeah, see if it's surfable. Definitely. Why not? I, yeah. You know. I'm always the one when the guides are like, "All right, we're gonna do this crazy thing where you sit on the front and go through the wave." I always volunteer because it's like actual excitement. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like riding a bull in there, dude. Yeah. It's it's powerful. Yeah. Really. When all like the other people who it's our first time doing it, they're like, "Oh, oh my gosh, I would never." Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, no, it's fine. Like you just, it's just one little bump, and like yeah. you get splashed, and it like the wave hits you in the chest, and you're fine. You'll yeah. fall back into the boat more than you fall out of it. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. The wave will just push you in. Yeah. Hey, uh, excuse me. What time you got now? You, how are we looking on time? We're doing we're okay. Twelve nineteen. We should. We're actually at almost two hours. We're oh, actually t- two hours and eleven minutes. So we should wrap this up. We're awesome. This, this is a long episode, dude. Loved it. Loved yeah. the time. This Loved sharing awesome. everyone with you. Great questions. Definitely really appreciate the time. Together. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up with um, where can, we'll look this up. What yeah. um, where can we find you and Surf Wyoming on their website or? Yeah, their surf- Instagram is at Surf Wyoming. Yep, and surfwyoming.com. And yep. you can just just mess around and learning more about the ambassadors, learning more about the company. Yeah, um, they have a lot of uh, artisans as their ambassadors, mm-hmm. and they also support their businesses as well. Definitely, you know. And now front, we went from e-commerce to five retail stores and doing it's pretty popular stuff. We're doing much better. Is there one here? Um, not in Jackson. I've been. I'm going to continue to lobby for that. Mm-hmm. Come on, Surf Wyoming, we got gonna, this. Do you guys? We do you guys do, have any relationships with the rafting companies to like get your stuff in there, in their locations at all? Great question. That's going to be next. Mm-hmm. Um, been discussing with a couple of the adventure uh, outfits in town. Yeah. Um, you know, Jackson Hole Kayak School. Yeah. Rendezvous River Sports. Yeah. Um, and uh, take it from there. Definitely. But yeah. Keep stoking the vibe and yeah, let's go do some surfing together. Definitely, yeah. So everyone, right. go check out Surf Wyoming. Check out um, Uncle Wani, <laughs> whatever names you want to call him. Um, he's a really cool guy. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's an episode. Thanks Fabulous. for coming on. You're so welcome.